This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. You are listening to the flagship podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. The fucking sun sucks. I don't know what you people see in the sun. I don't know how you people do the sun. It's it's just the dirt worst. I want nothing to do with it. I'd be content never going out in the sun again. And Rich Crage. This is the dumbest show. I cannot believe it. Pay, some people pay us ten dollars to listen to the show live. This is what we've given them we, for forty five minutes. Been doing this for ten years. Why? Ever bigger than ever. More people listen to us than ever. Than ever. Why? And we are live here on the flagship podcast. I am Rich. He is Joe. Joe, what's happening? First show in the post Vince McMahon era. Yeah. Fucker's gone. Feels good. It does feel good. Rod still sucked, but it feels good. I mean, we got a lot to unpack. We really do. Yeah. We 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 touched a lot. We touched on a lot of stuff. Uh, Friday when the news and WWE gave new meaning to the word Friday news dump with the 5 p.m. Friday announcement of Fitzik man uh, <clears throat> retiring, uh, resigning, uh, and we did a live show. That yeah, yeah. Night. Can yeah. we? Can yeah. We, Let's can please, we, please. Can we discuss that? I mean, you know, he no, resigned. Joe. He's 77. It's it was just he just decided it was over. It was done. But I gotta say, like, you know. A lot of people are are repeating that PR that he retired when even their internal documents, not the PR documents that they've released publicly, but their internal documents call it a resignation. He resigned. And I think people should start calling it what it is. He 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 resigned and he he resigned in shame. You know, the the retirement thing is it's it's total PR, but it's it's so hard not to repeat that. You know, because that's how they announced it publicly and and everything. That's how but... he announced it. He, <laughs> quote unquote. Well, let's face you know, it. Yeah. This was he resigned in shame. Right. I mean, this guy. I don't think there's any shame. I I, I like the idea of resigned in disgrace. I think I like it a little better because there is no shame in that man, Vince McMahon. He may not feel shame. Uh, you're, so you're right. He may that may even be better. Resigned in disgrace. Uh, I think everybody else is just you know feel shame for this guy right. i mean it, it's it's uh but a retirement no because if none of this were going down he'd still be in the big seat he'd still be sitting in gorilla and it would still be business as usual this idea that you know he turned 77 and and just decided to you know and he did a big stretch and he went ah you know what ah, i feel a little <laughs> right. he was he was writing smackdown friday afternoon and just like ah, you know what I've decided yeah. after seven, it's over. <laughs> like no, like in the midst of it, he put his glasses down, he put his pen down and just said, you know what? Too old for this shit. Going to a yacht, yeah. going to take my first vacation ever. I'm done. I'm over it. Yeah, he, he resigned in disgrace. <laughs> and, right. and, and that's what it is. It's a disgraceful resignation because he knows there's some, some uh, horrible things that he cannot squirm out of coming down the pike. And I'm sure there's going to be more news coming out. But, uh, yeah, you know, I didn't mean to cut you off, but um, 
know, people need to stop saying this man retired. I mean, right. and that isn't us just being nasty. Their internal documents term it as a resignation. Documents to count. Not the PR stuff that, you know, Ryan Satin will repeat or whatever, or he's afraid to repeat. Has he even spoken about it? Because the other stuff know, made but, him too sad, so I uh, just decided not to mention anything about it. So. But anyway, that's Rich's the true point. fact too. That actually, I think he said that. So it's not even me making stuff up. He, no, he did. He said, no, "I'm no. too sad. I don't want to talk about the sexual assaults." It's like, all right. Yeah, he did a Ryan Satin did a wacky video with wacky music saying, "What's next for WWE?" <laughs> right. Could Vince McMahon return yeah. to WWE? Time will tell. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That absolute clown. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but no, I didn't mean to cut you off. What Rich is going to say is that we, we, you know, this news broke on Friday, of course, you know, the day of the release of this show. So we have not talked about any of this yet, but we have a ton of content that we have done on the Vince McMahon thing. Yes. Anyway, Rich. Cut. Yeah, yeah. No, we did that at flexurepatreon.com, patreon.com slash voice of wrestling, voice of wrestling.com slash Patreon. That night, uh, we did about an hour and 15 minutes or so until – uh, some weird tech issues came up where you could hear, I could hear you, you couldn't hear me, everybody could hear both of us, and it was just awful and, and terrible. And I was in a hotel uh, fitness center, uh, it, we were streaming, I was on my phone, it, 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 it's a miracle we got to an hour and 15 minutes of it. But I would say that was very reactionary to just what we knew. I mean, that was, we knew at 5 p.m. that he was resigning, retiring, resigning, whatever, and that... We recorded that, I don't know, about 10 or so, maybe 10 or 11. I forget exactly when we did it. And we were still just kind of like, all right, oh, my God, we're kind of just shocked that the Vince era is over, that everything is kind of done and done. And it ended up being really like 55 minutes of us just being like, yeah, so another thing about this guy. Like, So we didn't really – we touched on the story a bit, but we didn't really get into the nuts and bolts of it. But we're going to do that here. We're going to talk about you know what's next for WWE and all that sort of stuff. But I, I, I if you do want to hear an hour and 15 minutes of us – you know, touching on the Vince McMahon thing and then basically being like, yeah, you know what? Let's talk about 1983 and then 1991. And here's when he did this. And here's when he did that. Like a bunch of stuff. It was a, a hell of a show. I loved what we did. It was very natural. We had no idea what we were going to do. We had no idea what we were going to talk about. And we could have gone on for probably three hours. That could have been that Vince show that we've always said one of these days we're going to do where we just get on here, we hit record, and it's just a Vince for three hours or Vince for four hours thing. That could have been that show. Uh, it ended up not being that, but uh, tonight uh, we're going to touch a little bit more on uh, what the actual story is, where things go from here, all the other stuff uh, that's going to play out uh, over the next um, weeks and months, because this is uh, this is not going away anytime soon. We got a couple written pieces behind the paywall as well uh, on Vince, so there's plenty of Vince content behind the paywall. So uh, in addition to that hour and 15 minutes of audio, which uh, Rich did while he was on his latest vacation. Uh, <laughs> was a weekend with my parents. <laughs> lavish. I like how you called it a lavish. I was in an air-conditioned hotel fitness center on broken equipment doing this show with my wow. laptop. And I, the setup was absurd. I should have taken a picture of the setup. It was absolutely absurd what I was doing. But anyway. That's the biggest news story in the history of wrestling. I Rich. can't miss it. Yeah, I just, just told my parents. I said, well, you guys are going to bed on your own. I don't care what you guys do. I'll I'll sleep in the hallway because I got to do this. I got to do some audio here. So, uh, yeah. A yeah, few, a few weird there. looks from hotel staff when I'm sitting there at, you know, 12.30 a.m. going like, yeah, and then he screwed up the real world champion, Ric Flair, in 1991. That's probably like, well, yeah. all right. Yeah. <laughs> Calm down, buddy. <laughs> You're right. Everything yeah. okay in there in the fitness center? Yeah, everything's fine. I'm good. Yeah. So plenty of uh, 
plenty of Vince reaction behind the paywall. And as of Friday, you know, we didn't know that Triple H was taking over the creative side. Um, I think at that point it was known that he was taking over the uh, talent relations, but not the creative. So we have that to talk about today. Uh, I I think, I think the big thing is it, it, it's still, you know, and I wrote this in my piece that I put behind the paywall, but um, even when you set aside all of the, um, his misdeeds and his just abhorrent behavior um, and, and the things he's being investigated for now and the various crimes he committed that he, that he was never uh, convicted or charged of and just his, uh, his general complete life of scummery that he has lived for his complete adult life. Uh, you know, even if you set all that aside, I hold him in no reverence whatsoever, even as a wrestling promoter. And it's, it's just, you know, and, and it's bizarre to me that there's, we're still seeing these takes uh, from people saying that, well, well, you know, you, you, you owe your life as a wrestling fan to this man, or you still got to hand it to him. And it's like the old drill tweet. No, I do not have to hand it to Vince McMahon in any way, shape or form. I don't feel that way. I've never felt that way. Um, you know, at least for me, he's made my life as a wrestling fan less enjoyable. I enjoy, I've enjoyed pro wrestling less thanks to Vince McMahon, not more. And, and I know that's hard for some people to believe, uh, you know, and, 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 this is a lot of what we talked about behind the paywall and a lot of what both of us wrote about, but he undoubtedly made WWE bigger and stronger and, and, and successful and the most dominant uh, force in, in, in pro wrestling history. And he is undoubtedly the most successful promoter in pro wrestling history. Uh, but, uh, but those are all things he did for WWE. Uh, as far as for pro wrestling, he, he objectively made it, less popular and i don't know if a lot of people who just consume wwe documentaries understand that but that's an objective fact he objectively made pro wrestling in america less popular while making his own company uh uh you know far uh, popular uh, far you know much more uh, much bigger and more popular than it was when he took it over he was great for his own company he was terrible for pro wrestling he was great for maybe WWE fans, but he was bad for pro wrestling fans. And I can't, I couldn't wait for the day that this day, that this guy was gone, because you know the other side of this is you know it, it potentially makes there's now potential for WWE to possibly be more enjoyable now. I don't know if it's going to be. I don't know if they're just going to continue. You know, they're, they're in such a good place financially and with the the, the, the uh, business-to-business deals that they have that they don't really have any incentive to change the product. You know, and that's where my concern lies in terms of, oh, maybe this thing could get better. Maybe Triple H, you know, will, will you know, because NXT was so much better than the main. But here's the thing. Why would they not continue doing what's comfortable and easy and low effort since they're going to get a – they're going to get even – they're going to get an even stronger TV deal? The next round. So why shake things up and change things? You know, so I'm not convinced that there's even a chance that the WWE product gets better. And I know a lot of people are holding on to that hope, but what's their incentive to do that? Their incentive is to just continue to to be a content farm and churn out as much content as possible and uh, to satiate their business to business partners. And, and because that's, 
a winning formula, a proven winning formula. And it's a big reason why the product has been so terrible, uh, you know, uh, during during this particular era. So I don't know. That's a bunch of jumbled thoughts connecting us from Friday to today. Um, but no, I hold this man in no reverence. I'm glad he's gone. I couldn't wait for him to be gone. And even if you set aside uh, the fact that he's a horrible, horrible human being, I still hold him in no reverence, even as a wrestling promoter. I don't respect him. I hold him in no reverence. I'm glad he's gone. I hope he never comes back and good riddance. That's how I stand. There it is. Yeah, no, and, and and I'm right there with you. Yeah, a lot of you know you did see a lot of that over the last few days of of you know initially in the the initial day on Friday there was a lot of like well I love him or hate him you know he's the reason we're all watching wrestling or you know and, and there's been Who's a lot of, yeah no that's not actually true though that's not actually true I mean yeah he is a big reason a lot of people are watching wrestling but he's not the reason everybody had wrestling existed before Vince it'll exist after Vince it, you know it, it, it this. You, you, people are really showing their asses, you know, when, when you see stuff like that, when you see tweets like that, when you see uh, write-ups like that. It's just like, okay, well, yeah, you exist in a world, and, and we talk about this all the time, that so much of wrestling media is WWE-centric and based off of how how would WWE do this? And if you don't do it the way WWE does it, then you're not doing it right because that's the way that WWE does it is the way that pro wrestling is supposed to be done. And that's just not like there are people that were born in an era where that wasn't the case. I get that if you were born in the last 15 years, if you haven't watched any other wrestling, if you haven't read any books, if you haven't studied anything, if you haven't done your work or your research or you don't care about this stuff as much as some other people, you might think that way and that would be the only way you know but no that's not really true i mean that's kind of bullshit it's 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 just an easy but we we talk about all the time with like when people will talk about it's not just an AEW thing people do it when they talk about new japan pro wrestling people do it when they talk about the indies people do it when they talk about anything is that everything is done through the scope of wwe how wwe would present a promo how wwe would present a match how wwe would the the people that are are are, that vince mcmahon thinks are stars are what everybody think wrestling stars are though and it's like no a wrestling star is not just a big tall guy with uh, you know giant muscles like that wasn't always the case and it's not actually true wrestling stars can be of all shapes and sizes and they have been of all shapes and sizes over years and years and years and decades upon decades upon decades but so much of and this is totally by design vince mcmahon wanted Everybody to think that his brand of pro wrestling was the only brand of pro wrestling and that his brand of pro wrestling was was more than wrestling. It was entertainment. It was sports entertainment. It was all this sort of stuff. So a whole generation of fans have unfortunately fallen into that trap and just doubt that's all they know. They know a Vince McMahon company. They know Vince McMahon wrestling, and that's what they think all wrestling is. And it, it, it sucks because it's not true. And, and yeah, you're right. When, when you see tweets like that, when you see reports like that, it's just so... It's what are you talking about? Like you're just you're not you you have no scope of history. You have no scope of of what wrestling can be, what wrestling has been. And I try to write that in in, in the piece that I wrote is that you know you get a lot of you know I love him or hate him, but uh, you know Vince McMahon brought wrestling national. If not for wrestling, you know no he didn't bring wrestling national. Gorgeous George helped bring wrestling national in the 19 fucking 50s when when the tv with the advent of television began gorgeous george was one of the biggest stars entertainment weekly when they did their biggest stars of tv i think this countdown was in 1996 or 97 i forget when it was gorgeous george is one of the top 100 figures in television history at that time and they were saying hey without gorgeous george like gorgeous george was on everybody's television for years and years and years and years because wrestling was cheap programming when early tv was starting to you know getting going and 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 he was a megastar he was a huge huge star so that's in the 50s and the 60s you have gorgeous george so no vince mcmahon didn't take wrestling national when gorgeous george existed i've seen people say oh he took wrestling worldwide 
as if wrestling didn't exist all over the world before <laughs> this guy. You know what I mean? Like, he he didn't take wrestling worldwide. He took his company. Yes. Worldwide. Yeah, he did not take wrestling worldwide. CMLL. I think CMLL predates EMLL. CMLL, I believe it predates uh, Vince McMahon by, I don't know what, like 80 years or so? <laughs> 70 I, years, I, you know, running in Reno, Mexico? I think that's a little bit before. You know, I just think, but it's French catch style. When was that? Was that 1987 French catch? Or was, oh, no, no, never mind. That was in like the 20s and the 30s. Never mind. Okay. It just speaks to what you're saying, where he has successfully indoctrinated people into yeah. thinking that WWE is wrestling. And. And that's kind of sad because there's probably a, some people who will listen to this podcast maybe for the first time and hear us saying these things. And they just think that we're crazy because they've been taught history by this man. Right. Uh, they'll think that what I said before, where Vince has made wrestling less popular in America, they're going to be like, what are these people out of their fucking mind? They're probably going to turn the podcast because they, they to them, that's completely absurd because they've learned a version of history through one person. And uh, he undoubtedly and his soldiers his too. I should say and his soldiers too, because you can go listen to a Conrad Thompson podcast today with Bruce Pritchard or whatever, who's going to tell you the same shit. Yeah, well, of course. Yeah, you know, all of Vince's people are going to tell you that. Um, but you know, uh, you know, and, and people say, well, if it wasn't for Vince, you know, you you probably wouldn't be a pro wrestling fan. If it wasn't for Vince, is the reason I I dislike <laughs> WWE so much. He's the reason like, I almost he, stopped becoming a wrestling. Fan. Yes, he's the he is the reason I almost gave up on pro wrestling multiple times in my life because <laughs> right. his product has sucked so bad for the last twenty years. And in my personal instance, I think it sucked for the last like twenty five years because I didn't like the Attitude Era. But I'll grant people that one. But since like 2000, it's just been terrible for the most part with random years here or there, random periods here or there that are okay. But it's like he has driven me – he has nearly driven me away from wrestling, not the opposite. So, you know, so I'm glad – we've been waiting for the day that this fucker is gone. But unfortunately, it might be too late because uh, with the state that uh, wrestling is in now and – and and the fact that you know this, this guaranteed money from television networks and everything else, and and the fact that he has successfully indoctrinated uh, generations of wrestling fans into believing that only WWE and the way that they do things it, that that is pro wrestling, that it's almost impossible at this point to uh, to to break that cycle. And again, I don't think that the people in charge now are incentivized to change things all that dramatically. You might see some. Um, surface level changes or, 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 you know, some basic to maybe some uh, production changes or maybe, uh, so, but, but the I can certainly see, I can certainly see talent changes a, a little bit. We'll talk about that here a little All bit more extensively. Yeah, yeah. I can see some of those little subtle things. I don't think you're going to, Raw is going to open up on, on, you know, next Monday and be a completely different set, new announcers, new, and it's going to be, NWA, you know, 605, you know, done to three hours or whatever. I don't think that's going to be the case. I don't think you're even going to get black and gold NXT, you know, peak, you know, quote unquote, Triple H NXT. I don't think you're going to get out of Raw, you know, next week or in two weeks or in a month or whatever. I, I just don't know if that's coming. I do think subtle things will probably change. I think they inevitably will just have to change with a new guy in charge, a new person kind of making the decisions, and and he has his own wants and, and desires or whatnot. But, yeah, it's not going to drastically change. WWE, I do not think, is going to be good overnight just because Triple H is in charge. I, 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 I'm i sorry. I, I just, yeah, I do not, uh, don't believe that. Don't believe that's going to happen. I owe Vince McMahon nothing but contempt. That's what I owe him. Yeah. 
It, it's I don't I, I don't hold him in any kind of reverence whatsoever. Um, he's made wrestling objectively worse for me. I mean, you know, it's uh, you know they were they were the only game in town for so long, and it was so bad. And um, you know, and again, even there's there's some people who were involved in the wrestling business today who who learned from that and only know that and. I just think his tentacles and his influence is just because he was so dominant for so long, unfortunately runs so deep. That's going to be hard to reverse that, you know, thankfully we have AEW, but you know, there's things I see in AEW that even have the Vince influence and the Vince fingerprints that are just impossible to get away from at this point. And, and it's a shame. Yeah. I saw a cake angle there, whatever the cake angle on last week's dynamite. And I was like, Oh, damn it. A cake angle. I mean, that that kind of goes back to the territory. No, I know. But I get the idea. I get the idea. I I, I have PTSD Um, when anybody throws food at each other in a wrestling environment. I I could do without it as well. I mean, obviously, but, um, but yeah, fuck that guy. I'm glad he's gone. But, um, you know, if you want more Vince talk, we've got plenty of it behind the paywall from last Friday in both written and audio form. I guess now, uh, I guess we should talk about Triple H being in charge and maybe what to expect. I think you're right. I think uh, th- there will be a-, a change in the in the type of talent that's uh, that's recruited, and because obviously Triple H, um, you know, when he was in charge of NXT, uh, seemed to like a very different kind of of uh, you know philosophically like much different kind of talent than Vince was pursuing. And when Triple H got fired, which he did, he got fired from NXT, let's be honest. Uh, Vince reversed course and went back to, you know, looking for people off the street, college athletes, non-wrestlers, uh, people with a certain look. And I, I would expect Triple boobs H to kind of... A lot of boobs and butts <laughs> appeared on NXT. Yeah, and I, and I don't think they'll completely abandon that, but I think th- they're not going to close their doors to, uh, you know, pro wrestlers the way that Vince, uh, during this short uh, NXT 2.0 where I had basically closed his doors at this point to uh, to pro wrestlers and completely had changed gears. So that's something that'll change. And look, that's going to be a negative for AEW. I yeah. see a lot of people resisting that idea. No, but... no, no. And I think, yeah, Suit Williams wrote a great article for VoicesWrestling.com all about that. And, and we touched on it a little bit on Friday, but I, I think this is a great opportunity to touch on it even more, is that this is a game changer for AEW too. This is a big, big moment and a big, big time for AEW. It's not just the whole wrestling world. I mean, we're in a post Vince McMahon wrestling world. This is gigantic for everybody. This has tentacles all over the wrestling business, everywhere in the wrestling business. The most powerful person over the last 40 years in wrestling is gone and done and not in charge anymore. That is huge. That's always going to be huge. But this in particular for AEW, I think is, is, is gigantic. And, and if you don't read the article that suit did on, on voice again, I highly recommend it, but Essentially, his 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 idea is, and I, and I 100% agree with it, is that AEW's one of their best bargaining chips when they were negotiating with talent was, well, we're not Vince McMahon. Like, look at you. You know, you, you, we are going to know how to use you. We are going to utilize you better. We are going to, you know, either for people that have been in that company before and say, well, hey, look, look at what they did with you already, which obviously worked for several guys uh, th- that showed up. You know, John Moxley, point blank, you know, has said on podcast that a big selling point was just like, hey, we're not going to use you like they use you. We're going to let you do whatever you want. It's like, okay, great, perfect, great. I'm in. I'm all the way in. Uh, and he obviously aired his frustrations about Vince McMahon and, and, and WWE multiple times. But several other guys have gotten to that company, you know, not only because 
AEW told them, hey, we're going to use you better. I mean, there's some money involved and all that sort of stuff, but that's a huge bargaining chip. And future talents can have probably been a lot of the same stuff where it's, hey, look, you can go over there, but they're not going to know how to use you. They're not going to want to use you. You're not what they want. And, 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 you know, they have a certain type and Vince McMahon has a certain type and Vince McMahon can be, you know, volatile about talents and Vince McMahon can do this and Vince McMahon can do that. I'm positive that that was in the negotiating table multiple, multiple times. With a lot of AEW talents that's gone now. And that is, it's great for the wrestlers because the wrestlers now have the leverage of actually being able to say, well, Hey, look, I can go to WWE. Like the new, the new game in town, the new, quite literally, literally and figuratively with Triple H is like, I, I, you know, like he's a guy who either, Hey, maybe I can't do NXT. Well, Hey, he used me and I was a world champion and he thought I was a big deal. So no, you know what? I think I'm confident that if I go to WWE, that I'll be pushed and they're going to pay me a decent amount of money or whatever. Or, Hey, I have more faith in Triple H pushing me than I did Vince McMahon pushing me. So you know what? I am going to talk to them. And if they give me a better offer, I'm going to go there. So you either have to, you know, guarantee me something or give me a better offer or give me a reason to sign with you. And that, you know, they're now that, 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 that caveat of, Hey, we are not Vince McMahon. We are going to know how to use you. We are going to utilize you. Well, you know, that guy's not going to utilize you. Well, that's gone. That is all gone now. And that's, to me, it's exciting because it's fun and it's going to be interesting. But for AEW, that that sucks because one of their main things that they were able to bargain with is now completely gone. And they're going to have to work a lot harder and maybe pay a lot more to keep some of their talents or acquire new talents or whatever. And again, from a re- from my standpoint, I think that's kind of cool and exciting and fun. And, and I hope we get a bunch of people going back and forth and, and back and forth or whatnot. But yeah, it, I could get how for some people it's anxious that they're anxious and they're 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 not quite sure what's coming down. And I'm sure for AEW, they're kind of anxious and annoyed and 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 not quite sure what it's going to be like, but I, I think it's exciting. I, I like the idea now that there's, you know, you, you a talent can sit down with both companies and feel like they have an earnest opportunity with both. I, I, and that wasn't the case before last Friday. It just wasn't. Well, this short period of time that NXT 2.0 has existed where Tony Khan had his pick of the litter from the independent wrestling world or the unsigned wrestling world because WWE simply wasn't recruiting those people. That's over. Yeah. So that's, that's, you know, now there is once again competition to sign the best unsigned or best independent wrestlers, because as far as we know, uh, you know, that that's triple H, uh, does like to recruit that way. Um, and all of the things that you just said, wrestlers that are currently signed with AEW who maybe, um, you know, felt like with Vince there, uh, there was first of all no interest in bringing them in but now triple h might have interest in them and and they don't see that uh proverbial glass ceiling in place for them anymore because they're not what vince sees in a pro like a maybe a women's wrestler who doesn't have the you know tna look that we all know vince uh prefers might be more apt to consider wwe now or uh wrestlers that are a little bit smaller uh you know, because Vince obviously is uh, has always been very fixated with size, so all of those sorts of things. Wrestlers who went to AEW because they had issues with Vince, and if Vince isn't there anymore, and they got along with Triple H, I mean, you know, their contracts come due, they're going to be more apt to want to go. Whereas if Vince was still in charge, maybe that door would have been closed forever, right? Uh, by one side or the other. So it just completely changes the game for AEW in terms of talent recruitment. Um, talent negotiations, all of those things. So, um, you know, that that's one aspect of it. And, you know, it's interesting because <laughs> if you're Triple H, you got to be really excited right now because, you know, we all, after week one of the head-to-head, 
with Dynamite and NXT, we all know the the famous statement that Triple H, Triple H put out after they got destroyed after the bloodbath week one, where it's a uh, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon, right? And then AEW proceeded to just kick his ass for the next year and a half, and he basically, uh, for all intent and purpose, got fired and demoted and just disappeared after his what, cardiac they call event. It? it was a cardiac, cardiac event. event. Yeah, his and, cardiac uh, event. <laughs> You know, so he got he thoroughly got his ass kicked by Tony Khan. Yeah. But now he's back in the seat, but he's in the main roster seat where he has the high ground and he's starting with, you know, more than double the amount of total viewers. And he's starting with the, you know, 40 year head start on uh, on, on television and all of those things. And for Triple H, you know, he must he absolutely must be reveling in that statement today. Like, I told you, motherfucker, this is a marathon, okay? And, uh, he, you know, you may have beaten me once, but now I'm in the position of power. And and But how embarrassing would it be if Tony Khan eventually catches and passes this guy again with all of the advantages he has built in, you know, taking over the uh, the SmackDown and Raw shows that, are, that, that obviously have a massive head start on dynamite and we're, and we're already ahead of them to begin with. So there's some, uh, there's gotta be some, uh, it's gotta feel good for triple H to get another crack at this, but there's also an immense amount of pressure to deliver and to continue to keep AEW at bay because, you know, WWE will tell you that, you know, it, it, they're not, they're not in the war and all that, but we always knew that that was always bullshit. Right. No matter who was in charge, that was always bullshit. It might not be, the absolute top of mind thing that they think about, but it, it, it's obviously, uh, you know, something that they do think about. And it's the reason they put NXT head there with dynamite. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. Oh. They, they were on their first Joe, What are you talking about? Remember? They well, you know, first. It, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, regardless, absolute fucking dunce. You might believe. But, <laughs> right. Dude. But uh, what, what's an interesting thing about this too, with triple H is that he's also never been in a position to book a wrestling company on obviously on this scale but also one that's beholden to stockholders that's beholden to giant tv deals that's beholden to a lot of things i mean he has been able i mean the, the early days of nxt it was on the fucking wwe network man you know what i mean it didn't really matter if it sold network subs great the pay-per-views are going to do that more than anything he was just kind of allowed to operate in his own little world in his own little universe or whatever and little by little it was ah hell let's let's run some live shows so they ran some live takeovers in in, in buildings and they did it pretty well and hey let's go on the road a little bit or kind of and then yeah it was you know so so i think the, the stuff on the road was okay uh i think it was probably the first time that things started to kind of unravel a little bit because nxt couldn't cycle guys in and out and and, and had to kind of keep stars you know there for a long long time or whatever but you know he's never been able to or he's never had to do this sort of thing this is a big scope here this is a big thing like you said the pressure's on you know to deliver the ratings the pressure's on to deliver you know keep making a shit ton of money the pressure is on well, to keep getting a big tv deal the pressure is on to keep you know doing all that sort of stuff i think that's i think that's well, maybe underreported not- a little bit well, this is why I'm not entirely optimistic that the that the tone and the tenor of the right, show is right, right. Because he can't because... just walk in one day and I say, "All right, everything's changing, guys. We're doing it well, my no, way." But... Territory why? wrestling. No, but, 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 I well, why? I I you know I don't. It's not it's not worth the risk. It's not worth the risk for it, anybody. I mean, he might subtly do that sort of stuff, but I, I don't think you're. This is why I'm not optimistic. You're going to see big changes because the the terrible, shitty, 
you know, brain dead product that they've been putting out for years. There's it's successful. It works because if they could just maintain the 2 million people, the roughly the 2 million people that watch raw and SmackDown every week, they're set to get enormous media rights uh, raises on the next round. Right. So why, why do sweeping changes? Why not just keep this, especially if the, if the, if the plan is to put the company for sale. I mean, why would you go through sweeping changes and risk, losing some of those because honestly i think we have finally found the bottom because rate you know raw hit like 1.7 or 1.9 million viewers smackdown hit between 2 million and 2.2 million viewers and it stopped going down and i i think you know without completely tanking the product we you know after those years and years of steady decline in total viewership i think we have finally found the core base of people who are going to watch this shit, no matter how bad it is week after week, we found, and it's about 2 million people. Right. We saw that. I think we saw that last year. Cause remember we did shows in August and you know, last year where we said, all right, NFL is coming and these guys are going to get absolutely pulverized. These guys are going to be dead in the water. They're going to get destroyed. They're going to get ruined or whatever. And then they didn't, they just kind of stayed at their same dumb little, you know, number that you were saying. And that I think was like the, the, the wake up call for me of like, okay, this is it. These two million people are just going to every single week. It, remember, there was those impact. Like impact every single week would have the exact same rating, no matter what. Happened. Two million. Or whatever <laughs> yeah, for like for years, for like years, they just had the same X amount of people every single week watching. We're there with the WWE, where these people are not swayed by anything else. They're not swayed by football. They're not swayed by the World Series. They are no matter what going to slap their hands together on Monday night turn on USA and watch Raw, you know, and no, and we saw that last year. So yeah, we have probably reached that bottom um, where, where they're not going to go any lower. And, and yeah, like you said, the only thing that would make them go lower is dramatic changes. Uh, you know, things that make them feel uncomfortable, things that make them feel weird. And, and, you know, I was going to bring up a point that we kind of saw a little bit of that intention done when the, uh, first Paul Heyman, very, very brief raw, raw booking run happened where he flat out told Vince, Hey, look, Vince, we're going to do bad in ratings for a little while. Things are going to go low, but I'm going to try to push new talent. And when these guys, when this talent is ready to go, I, you will be up. You know, things will be better because they will, the, will have established these wrestlers. People will know about these wrestlers now. Things will, you know, we'll be able to, to do, you know, we'll be able to improve stuff, but it's not going to be overnight. It's going to take we a little need while. 18, we need 18 months. Right. Give me 18 months. Things are going to go up and down. I'll things are not going to be great, but I will get, I will make you stars and I, I will, will make this over. thing better. Yeah. And that but lasted three months, basically, until Vince decided. It, but we, we knew, and we knew he wasn't going to get eighteen months. No, of course not. Of course not. And but, that was Vince. To be fair, that was Vince, and he he was. But to the same point, like if you're if you're Paul, if you're Triple H or whatever, you can you afford to fuck around for eighteen months in this media landscape with this company the way it is right now, with it potentially I mean, you, being you, for sale, with it potentially going up for a TV deal. You can once you get the new deals, right? I, yeah, and I agree. You, Once a new deal comes in, then you can kind of fuck around a little bit and have some fun. Because now you have five years to figure to, – and five years or you know, you get four, five, however many years, and that's an eternity as we know. I mean you think about where wrestling was five years ago. I mean AEW didn't exist for starters. Um, you know, WWE didn't have billion-dollar media rights deals. Five years is an eternity. So you, you once you get the new TV deals, then if you want to – deconstruct this thing and build it back up in your vision it's a little safer to do so i mean if i'm triple h today i don't fuck with this no i put out the same lame product that vince was putting out i draw the same two million people every week 
I'm number one on cable most weeks. You know, SmackDown's number one most weeks. And I just keep this status quo until we get those raises on the next round of deals. And then maybe if I want to fuck around and, and try something different. But even then, and by then, you know, we say five years is an eternity. You know, it's an eternity between now and the new TV deals. And with Vince out of the picture, I think it's, you know, not, not because of anything I've read or anything that I've heard, but I think it's far more likely that they sell with Vince out of the picture and just wipe their hands of all of this shit. And uh, everybody cashes out and goes home happy. And, and, you know, if that's the case, again, you don't you don't want to rock the boat too much if you're going to set up for a sale. You want to you want to lean things out. Right, Which right, right. Yeah, right. Now is now is not the time to say, "Hey, I'm pushing new stars, so ratings going ratings might go down for a little bit." Or whatever. Right. Like that's not a right. good time to do that when you're trying to sell. Is say, "Hey, we have downward momentum, but you know, you're going to acquire a, a bunch of new stars." No, you just want to say, "Hey, look at this graph. Here you go. This is our ratings. You know, these are our TV rights deals. Status quo is what you want right now if if you are truly trying to sell." Yeah. So, um, you know, what was what told me that we're not going to see a lot of changes. And I understand they're getting ready for a pay-per-view and you didn't want to completely, you know, you have programs that are already in motion that you just want to see through uh, SummerSlam and all that. But they knew that in particular, the first, the first SmackDown and the first raw, we're going to have more eyeballs than usual on them because people were going to be curious of the post of Vince McMahon, WWE world. They knew that. And raw was up. And SmackDown was up and they did nothing different. And to me, that yeah, was, it was, huge, it was telling to me. It was very telling. It's telling. And it was a huge missed opportunity because even if you didn't want to tear up your SummerSlam card, and start over and really get crazy. There were things they could have done that signified to the audience. This is a new world. You could have had, you know, come up with whatever idea you want. Triple a, a cold open with triple H saying, you know, uh, basically saying, you know, this is the new WWE. Yeah, it's a I'm, new era for yeah, the, right, the a world new era wrestling entertainment. Or, you know, and that would have been like, whoa, okay, this is, you know, now he's putting a face to, or, or you could have brought back, you know, some, you know, she could have paid exorbitant amount of money to bring back some star from the past, or you could have done some big game-changing angle, or there's a million different things. They could have just, it could have been something simple as some production changes that made the show look right, different. And people would be talking about it for, and people for yeah. Would be- Correct. If it was less cuts, people would go, whoa, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you just don't have to cut, or the intro changes a little bit, or, yeah, he says, this is a new era of Raw, and then he goes, you know, now we're going to start out with a great match, and then you just, whoever, and, and there's enough guys on that, ta- you know, that's how, honestly how I stupidly kind of expected that. I expected on Raw, it would start with Triple H in the ring saying, welcome to a new era of Raw, or whatever, and then what I would have done, and it feels like something that probably Triple H feels like he probably would have done too, if, if you know, if, if, but I guess now we know he's not going to, or we'll, we'll see, is I would say, and it starts right now, and then the fucking two guys get in the ring and they just have a 10-minute wrestling match. Yeah, you know you what I mean? Change, yeah, you change the format of, of the way the show even, it's not that same regimented way that Vince was even formatting the show. Right, right. It could be a world title, you know, it could be a world title match or a title match. It goes ding, 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 and then just two guys come out there and they just wrestle for 10 minutes. And Michael Cole could say something about wrestling. Like, you know what? It's so easy. You know, yeah, you, Michael Cole could say the word yeah. wrestling, and people go, "Oh, Anything. a new era has begun." Right? You could have, you could have dropped all the the, the bad Vince verbiage. And right? Michael could've... Cole considers that they're wrestling for a belt, and this is wrestling, and it's like, oh my god, everybody would have went nuts. Oh my and god! Any would've... of those little, <laughs> yeah. 
any of those changes ranging from small to large, all of the people who have long given up on watching Raw and SmackDown every week, people like us, okay, who watched out of curiosity would have said, oh, they are changing things. You know what? I'm going to get – but as but instead, it was business <laughs> as usual. Theory it was the same straight. It was the same terrible shows that they've always done that ran off millions of people – and all of the people who, who watched out of curiosity to see if there would be changes all saw the same old shit, shrugged their shoulders and said, and I, and I guarantee you the numbers all go back over the next week or two. You know, they might have a little, another small bump this week. And then by two weeks from now, they're going to be right back to the level they were at because they didn't take advantage of the fact that they knew that they were going to have lapsed fans and people who used to watch who they ran off because the show stinks checking it out and they didn't take advantage of that and like you just said that was telling to me that tells me look i know it's hard to make immediate sweeping changes in one week but they could have done a million little things right right he didn't have to walk in on on, on monday and rip up the script and say oh whatever vince did we're not doing it we're changing it all or whatever but yeah you can say all right look we'll, we'll do all this sort of stuff but i want this i i want to do an open at the beginning or let's do that just subtle nothing was different nothing was different the best part so... the best part was i i i did what i did catch some of it and it was funny watching people live tweeting it and stuff, and they're like, "Oh, I think there was less cuts on that punch." And it's like, shut up! You know I mean? like, yeah, people were trying yeah. to find these smallest things to try to make up. Desperately trying to like, you know, you're, you're laughing at them, but that speaks to our point that it would have been smart to do that. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. Because people were excited to see something different and to see changes. Yeah, like and, Jordan. Jordan in the New York chat room says, "Imagine the pro clutching from Michael Cole calling a snapmare." You know what I mean? Like, you know, just right, Michael right. Cole saying a move. Michael Cole saying the word belt. Triple H saying, we have a new era. This is wrestling, you know, or something, you know, just something. Just the littlest crumbs, just the smallest little crumbs of stuff could have made people go nuts. And instead, they gave you an hour of theory and they're just the same old stupid show that nobody wants to watch. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, and then they'll get through SummerSlam and we'll see what happens after that. I'm sure there'll be curiosity after SummerSlam because now it's going to move to, all right, well, they're waiting for SummerSlam. Then we're going to see all these great changes, and we'll, we'll see. I I don't think I just don't think they're incentivized to change it all that much. I I don't, and you know, especially if they really are lining things up for a sale. This news that broke today, where they're freezing everybody who works for, for the company from trading stock. Look, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I know enough about um, that sort of thing to to tell you what that means, but it's not normal. <laughs> that I know. That right, I know. right, right. For people that don't know, yeah, essentially what they said, and WrestleNomics uh, reported this, Brandon Thurston reported this, that, yeah, they were essentially told nobody can trade any stocks. And some people said, oh, that's kind of normal. That's kind of typical. Yeah, it's kind of normal, kind of typical for, like, high-level CEOs and people in charge and CFOs and that sort of stuff. They're telling everybody in the company that you are not allowed. Every single person in the company is not allowed to do anything with their stock right now. Which that is, is not normal. Bizarre. Yeah, completely bizarre. Um, you know, and the stock price has gone up since Vince has left, which many feared for years that it would plummet if he left. But it's going up based on the premise that people believe they're going to sell. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, and I, I have friends. Well, I have friends at Point Blank did that. You know, said, well, hey, you think WWE is going to sell? And I said, eh, probably more likely. And they said, all right, well, I'm going to grab a few shares because why the hell not? You know what I mean? Who knows? Like, So this isn't confidence in the new regime. No, as it's much the as opposite. It's, yeah, it's the opposite. It, it's confidence in a off. sale being more likely to happen now than ever. Right, right, right. Exactly. So, um, you know, I, but uh, 
that that's kind of where I, I I really felt like, particularly this past Monday and Friday, were huge missed opportunities to try to win some people back, at least for you know a few weeks, you know, or through SummerSlam. And I really think they squandered it. I mean, just anecdotally, you and I know a ton of people who never watch those awful shows anymore, and and they were they were into it on Friday and Monday because it's particularly Monday to see, you know, what it was going to look like, and it just looked like the same fucking shit. So, you know, man, I just, that makes me think that I, I I don't know, you know, maybe NXT was just his triple H's playground where he can get away with. Yeah. Well, there was no, it didn't matter. You know, and that's what I was talking about earlier. Nothing really mattered for NXT. The only time it really mattered is when they had to go on the road. And honestly, it was just like, Hey, here are the indie stars that you would go to your indies and see. Now they're here in these little, you know, like, and it did fine. Like it did. Okay. Like the touring stuff was fine and takeovers were, were cool and whatnot. But yeah, there was never any incentive or any pressure to like make money on NXT and, and, and turn that into any sort of profit or, and then when there was pressure to deliver ratings, they fucking shit the bed. Exactly. (laughs) As soon as he had any pressure on him to, to, and I love old NXT. Don't get it twisted. I like old NXT because there was no pressure. You just do whatever the fuck you want. It was a little play thing, which was cool. It was a play thing that I could watch on the WWE network. It was fantastic. Yeah, it was enjoyable and booked well. But as you say, the, 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 the first time he had any pressure to deliver, he failed. And, you know, and the other thing about Triple H and, and his booking of NXT is he had a huge advantage of being able to book it like an old school territory where the where you had clear arcs with people. You saw it a million times. He'd bring in a big star. They'd eventually win the title. They'd have a little title run. And then when they were ready to go to the main roster, they would lose the title and then leave the territory, so to speak, and go to the main roster. So there was a lot of structure in the way that he was able to book in that manner, right? He booked it like an old school territory where he knew people wouldn't be there forever. He won't have that advantage on the main roster. It's a completely different environment and universe, and it requires a different skill set in putting your stories together. So I don't know if this idea that Triple H can just take his, you know, booking style from NXT and just transplant that to Raw and SmackDown. No, that doesn't work. Okay? Because he can get a hold of a Bobby Roode or a or a, a fucking Prince Devitt or a whoever was coming into the company at a given time and say, all right, let me plot this out. Within two takeovers, I'll put the title on him. And then we'll probably call him up, you know, at some point after that. So I figure I'll have this guy about a year. That's not how it works on the main roster. It should. So It'd be nice if it was, but it's not. Yeah. But it, it is. That's not how it right. works. So, you know, so he can't even book the main roster the same way he booked NXT. So I don't even think that is like an apples to apples comparison, let alone the fact that, like we just said, he had no pressure to produce or make money. He had no pressure to operate in the black until he went head to head with AEW and they kicked his ass. So, again, I'm not entirely optimistic that this is going to become a significantly better WWE main roster because there's a lot of reasons to be skeptical of that. And I think Vince was just there too long. And, you know, perhaps if he would have been ousted 15, 20 years ago, but man, it's just, his influence runs too deep. There's too much money at stake now. And, um, and I'm not entirely confident that triple H is, uh, is quite the booker that we all seem to think he is anyway. 
Right. So. I, I think he's no doubt going to be better than Vince was, and I'm I'm excited to see what a Triple H led Raw. I mean, at, at the, like you said on Friday, at least there's a kernel of a thought that maybe this show is going to be watchable again. A kernel of a thought, and I don't know. Yeah. Like, talk to me in three months or four months. Five, I'm probably going to say, ah, it sucks again. You know, I'm like, I'm probably going to be like I am right now, where I'm like, ah, it's shit's still terrible and it still sucks or whatever. But at least I have some potential small percentage of a hope that it is actually better. I did not have that two weeks ago. I did not have that three months ago when Vince McMahon was still in charge. I had no, nothing in my head said one day Vince is going to wake up and say, ah, you know what? It's time to book good wrestling again. <laughs> Cause the shit he was booking, he thought was good and it sucked and it was awful. And it was terrible. So that gave me no hope whatsoever. When Vince is in charge, at least I have a modicum of hope. And, and honestly, that's, I, I want that. And people think that like, Oh, you, you know, this, you know, the flagship, they just want WWE to go away and die and it sucks or whatever. You know, we talked about it many, many times. It'd be a lot better if they were good. Like, it'd be a lot better for us. It would be a lot better for the show. It'd be a lot better for everybody. It'd be better for wrestling as a whole if WWE wasn't absolute steaming pile of shit that, that it's been for the last, you know, handful of yeah, years the, or whatever. Yeah, the idea that I root for WWE to be bad for the last 20 years is utter nonsense. I wish you were good. <laughs> I have to I watch this shit. Good. I have to watch this shit a lot. And it'd be a lot easier if it just wasn't bad. And it'd be a lot easier if we could preview these pay-per-views and not have to just go yeah i don't know who cares i don't know who cares like it'd be so much better you think i enjoy previewing pay-per-views saying "Ah, it doesn't matter who wins nothing matters in this company or or just not being interested in anything no i i it'd be much i i I like wrestling (laughs) and i want wrestling to be good i like yes believe it or not on this show we'd like wrestling to be good i think a lot of people have this you know, conception that we like to bury stuff. No, we like, I like to say stuff is good. That's more fun. Honestly, it's fun to bury stuff too. It's pretty fun when, it, when it's steaming shit, but it'd also be really, really good if it was great too. <laughs> like, it's a lot of fun. Dynamite is really good. AEW is really good. It's a lot of fun to come on the show and just tell you how great an AEW pay-per-view was or how great a Dynamite was or whatever. You do that on Thursday tier reviews. Like, that's a lot of fun too. So I just want it to be something. I just don't want it to be a steaming pile of shit that's unwatchable, uncoverable, undiscussable or whatever. And that's what WWE has been late, you know, lately. It's just been nothing. There's nothing to talk about. There's nothing to say. For 20 years, I love wrestling. And that's why I hold Vince. Uh, that's why I have nothing but contempt for right, this. Because he he uh, he made it less popular in America, which uh, another misconception that you know ah well you know Smoky Guard Armories and nobody made any jobs. No, a lot more people had jobs in wrestling before he destroyed everything but his own company. No, so, and no more people. That's not and true. More, and, and more people bought tickets to watch wrestling. Yes, and and, and and more people watch wrestling on TV and everything else. You know when the, it, 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 it's you know I, I love wrestling and I want it to be good. And that's why I have contempt for this man, even outside of all of his fucking evil misdeeds, before you even factor any of that in, which should really end any flower throwing towards this man. But it doesn't with some of these psychopaths, you know? So, uh, you know, yeah, I, I, <laughs> why wouldn't I not want it to be good? Like that, that's <laughs> utterly ridiculous. You know, that's what's so frustrating about all of this, because... You know, for the longest time, it was the only game in town, and it sucked. <laughs> it sucked shit, yeah. <laughs> you know, and he and 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 this is a man who hated wrestling so much that he refused to call his product wrestling. He was embarrassed of wrestling. He was embarrassed to be a wrestling promoter, which is why he always tried to do everything he could to not do wrestling. Which is why he tried to do boxing and bodybuilding and supplements and football twice and movies and and why he contemplated at one point i forget in the late 90s or early 2000s 
of trying to brainstorm and figure out ways to just not to not ever have to do the actual matches. Because he's embarrassed of wrestling, and he always was. And I love wrestling. And, you know, what they were putting out for all these years under Vince was a terrible, awful, irredeemably bad version of wrestling. Yeah, so if you, if you like wrestling, like Joe just said there, if you love wrestling, there's no reason to throw roses at this guy because he didn't like what you like. He thought you were a scum. You know, he thought you were a piece of shit. He thought you were a scum. He hated you. That's a different thing. Yeah, right, right, right. Then you're down. But if you like wrestling, you know. You know, and I'm sure there's people, there there are are people who enjoy this. I don't understand it at all. (laughs) Right, I don't think they're listening, but maybe they are. If they are, hello, hi, how are you? Yes. It's probably your last flagship. You're never going to listen again. But, you know, we don't always talk about WWE. We talk about AEW and New Japan Pro Wrestling. We'll talk about Dragon Gate. You can maybe skip ahead a few hours, try us again. Hey, there's some other great podcasts on our network as well. You should probably try some of them if you don't want to listen to the flagship again. But, yeah, you're probably not going to listen again, but thank you for giving us a try. We appreciate it. So, uh, (laughs) so... The, so what also came out since Friday was um, this other news story, which is probably what spooked him. Now, we had heard through the grapevine that maybe, you know, the HBO story that's coming out and and, and, and some follow-up Wall Street Journal stories um, are, are going to be uh, much harder on him than the, than the two previous Wall Street Journal stories that have come out, maybe attach some names and faces to – this uh to this uh, scandal but what also happened was and and what did we say about a month ago when all of this broke that we felt that there were two things that could sink vince because at the time he was kind of just he was posting through it right he was showing up on raw and he's showing up on smackdown and uh you know and 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 there was that alleged report that in the back his his quote was fuck him in regards to these uh to these to these uh, allegations and everything but what we said at the time where there were two things that can sink them names and faces of prominent on-screen characters speaking out and attaching themselves to some of these allegations and the second thing was if the sec got involved and we saw the latter happen over the course of this week where, and I didn't know this, you didn't know this, and I think most people covering this didn't know this. I'm not familiar with corporate law and all these things. I'm not even sure Jerry McDevitt knew this because it probably would have been handled way different. But this idea that the SEC is investigating uh, Vince using his private funds for these MDAs, but then not reporting that (laughs) on the corporate side with the idea being, now people are saying, now hold on, why would he have to report stuff that he's doing with his own money that doesn't make any sense and i thought that too at first but then when i read some articles and had this explained to me it makes total sense because if you are in charge of a publicly traded company and you are using your private funds to pay for something such as millions and millions of dollars of non-disclosure agreements that would be uh that are protecting the company you can't do that see you don't get all the advantages of being a publicly traded company, but then yeah, but then hide what you don't want to, right? And then have the ability to use your private money to protect the. No, that all goes away. If this were a private company, he can have all the NDAs he wants, and they don't have to have anything to do with the business side. But because this is a publicly traded company, if you're using your private funds to protect the financial interest of the publicly traded company that you're in charge of, you can't do that. Right. You have to report that. And he never reported that. And I know it gets more complicated in that, in that there's some, there's, there's other 
subplots to this where he has to pay back money to the company that he never I'm not getting into all that because I don't understand it. But what I do understand is the SEC is looking into this, and this is what we said a month ago. That was one of the two things that would sink him that he couldn't skate away from. And I think ultimately that's what scared him off. You know, once uh, the SEC starts sniffing around and saying, now hold on a second. Did you report this money you used to to, to pay off these NDAs? And uh, that's, I think, was a situation that Vince got in that McDevitt can't get him out of, that nobody can get him out of. So I think that's what officially chased him away. Not that there aren't going – not that I don't think that these stories that are coming down the pike aren't going to be worse uh, as we've speculated on, the HBO story, maybe some more wall. I still think that's coming too. But I think once the uh, SEC got involved, and, uh, and for people who don't know, they are the oversight for, um, you know, for publicly traded companies in, in, in America, then th- that was it for him. Then he knew, okay, yeah, I, you know, now I'm really fucked because uh, this is not just an internal investigation anymore. And this is the kind of thing that, that can completely sink the company. Absolutely. So, yeah. And, 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 you know, in, in the most, you know, Vince way possible, just to let you, like, I, I have no doubt that this spooks him way more than any of the other stuff. You, you know what I mean? Like, more so than, and we said, like, he was flippantly just like, ah, whatever, who cares? You know, we'll get through this. We'll all stay together, you know, uh, now together forever, you know, all that, you know, just all that crap. Like, that stuff didn't bother him. Maybe the names to faces would have bothered him. I don't think so. But when now you start getting into, and as 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 awful as this probably is, that's probably the way he was thinking is, you know, ah, whatever, ah, you know, ah, we'll get through it, ah, we'll get through it, ah, you know, we'll get through it, we'll get through it. But then when the SEC says, oh, hey, by the way, we're going to investigate you, or hey, by the way, you can't do this, or hey, by the way, we're going to start looking in this company's financials, that's what spooked him more than anything, which, which should, again, make people understand this human being and why I'm not throwing roses at this guy and I don't have to, for better or for worse, give it to him or you know, anything like that is, no, fuck this guy. Like, all this shit that he did to people, that didn't bother him. What bothered him is the SEC saying, whoa, what's going on here? We're going to look at these financials and realizing that his empire could crumble in a second if he didn't bounce and resign as quick as he did. That's the thing that he did. So that that that's, you know, if, if I don't know. I don't know exactly what spooked him, but I do know that it's probably not a coincidence the SEC stuff comes out and then he retires or resigns, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I, and, and, and again, he had weeks where this shit was going wild and this shit was going nuts and they knew about this and he said, fuck him. He didn't care. He said, screw it. Well, I'm going to post through it. I'm going to appear on every single night of Raw. I'm going to appear at UFC. I'm going to appear as much as I possibly can. SEC comes calling and saying, hey, what's going on with your finances? Whoop, bye. I got to go now. He's gone. So just think about that again when you're throwing roses at this guy. Yeah, because the idea being if these NDAs protected the company from taking a financial hit, uh, then he was required to report that as, you know, as, as part of uh, company financial records. And he never did. Or at least that's what they're investigating as to whether he did or didn't. And it looks like he didn't. So, uh, look, did you know anything about I knew I knew nothing about that. Um, I didn't think that that was a, a thing. I mean, you know, I, I'm not even sure that his lawyers. it kind of makes sense if it's it not. It does make you know, sense once it's explained. Right, right. But, you know. Um, I would just say, yeah, if you're, if you're the CEO of a publicly traded company, you can't. <laughs> you know, be signing and 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 sending away, even if it is your own money. Because yeah, no, I I guess I would I wouldn't know the technical aspects of it. I would just assume that if I was, you know, the CFO of a company and my CEO said, "Hey, I need to, 
Uh, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna spend a bunch of my money to get these NDAs. Is that a problem? I would probably say, yeah, I think so. I think that sounds like a problem. Okay, well, like, well, because they're NDAs of people in your company that you yes. sexually harass. <laughs> right. That's what I mean. Like, so I would assume that, yeah, you probably, you know, even if it's coming from your money, quote unquote, like your money is everyone's money. You're, you're especially when you are the CEO and you're sexually abusing, allegedly sexually abusing, you know, people members, that you. If people that work for you. Yeah, I would imagine that. You know, when you're making big payouts and your salary is dependent on that company, that yeah, they're, they're, and your your stock options are dependent on that company, and the way that the company's health is dependent on these, yeah, it makes all the sense in the world. It just yeah, maybe it doesn't because, make sense because I, you're protect because you're using your own personal funds, but you're protecting the company's reputation. Right, right, and your personal funds are also, you know, I don't want to say they're like property of the companies, but you know, they kind of it kind of goes hand in hand when you're a, a publicly traded company. This, this, and we talked about this when these things first came down, that this guy was still operating this company like it was an old boys club. Like it was him and his buddies poolside booking raws. It was him and Pat Patterson and Bruce Pritchard and those guys hanging out poolside and booking raws and doing whatever the fuck they wanted to do and doing whatever. No, bro, you are running a publicly traded company now. You can't just be doing this shit. You can't just be going wild and, and, and thinking that there's no repercussions to any of this. And I don't blame him for thinking that because he didn't have any repercussions for 30, 40 years yeah. for the yeah. horrible shit he did. But now they do. So what, thankfully, someone in the board of directors said, this is getting fucking stupid, and I'm going to say something about this. And thank God the Wall Street Journal exists and said, you know what? Hey, we're going to do some digging on this, and we're going to report about this. And yeah, it took two World, Wall, it took one board member, two Wall Street Journal articles, and a few other people researching this thing to take the whole empire down. And that's pretty wild, again, how it took that long. And then again, this guy, we talk, you wrote it in your article. This guy got away with... Literally murder in some cases. In some cases, quite literally got away with murder, and it didn't matter. You know, it, it just he nothing stuck to this guy. Nothing ever happened. It was just business as usual. Keep moving on. Keep moving on. Keep moving on. So I get how he would think. Ah, I'll just take my own personal funds and sign these NDAs, and I'll be fine. And finally, thankfully, something finally came to a head where it was like, you can't do this anymore. This yeah, is done. Because and it's over. Where the SEC is sticking their beacon. Look, if if okay, there's a difference between. Vince's NDAs and some CEO somewhere who has an affair outside the company doesn't want his wife to find out or doesn't want his social circle to find out or whatever. So he, he, you know, uh, pays her off, gets her to sign an NDA, but that's outside the company. Right, right. Employee, employees with employees and assault. And yeah, this is not, yeah. Yeah. This is a man who's, yeah. uh, You know, at minimum, having sexual relations with people that work for him and at, at maximum, assaulting them. And that's what these NDAs are for. And that's why the SEC is sticking their beacon. Because now this NDA money is protecting the financial interest of the company. Because that obviously, if these stories would get out, the NDA, what the NDAs are preventing is uh, this rampant, like you just described it, boys club behavior of, uh, of sexual debauchery among people in power in the company with people, uh, you know, uh, uh, on people, on some people with less power in the company, which would out adversely affect uh, the stock and, and the confidence in the people running the company and everything else. That's the difference. So I'm trying to explain this to our listeners, the way that it finally clicked for me, where, you know, if this was just some outside relationship that had nothing to do with the company and he got her to, then, then yeah, maybe the sec wouldn't be involved in that. Or maybe they would be. I, I don't know, but it seems less likely. Yeah. This involves people that worked for him. 
So yeah, it does make sense to me now that oh yeah, that that probably is no bueno. Well, yeah, it's just corporate oversight of like what the fuck is going yeah. on in this publicly traded company? Like what the hell are you guys doing? Right. You know, what are you doing with your money? What's happening? What else are you lying about? Like that I mean, that could be another thing too of like, well, now we got to really look at all this stuff. Like what else are you lying about? What else is is not in the up and up? But and yeah, you know, they're saying, "Oh, stuff? sorry, we'll just redo right. our financial statements. Our bad. Okay, we'll just re- oh, Okay, hold on a minute. <laughs> what else yeah, do we have here? You know, like what else are you What doing? Would, what would the stock be worth if people were aware that he was fucking the help right exactly and that, right, right, that's right. why that's why this being investigated you know and um you know because what would the consumer confidence be like in in this stock if they knew that vince and all of his pals were you know john laurinitis at minimum you know were fucking the help and abusing people and and exposing the company to lawsuits and all of the other shit that comes with that so yeah it does you know eventually that, that story didn't make sense at first but it did when i stopped and thought about it you know, for longer than 30 seconds. But um, I think that ultimately is what, and you know. I'm, I'm honestly surprised he only used uh, his personal funds and he didn't walk down to like the finance department and say, I need to cut a check for, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, $3.5 million. <laughs> What's this for, Vince? Uh... <laughs> well, you know, he's still <laughs> allegedly paying some of these people off because he's he's doing it, you know, these agreements were in installments and everything yeah, else. Right. Now this guy's ousted. And, you know, he's still paying some of these people oh, off. He's got Bobby you know, Bonilla and... contracts with some of these fucking, oh, my God, go away. Get out of here. <sighs> oh, without him, Joe, what would wrestling have been? Oh, hate him or love him, you got to respect him. <laughs> got to hand it to ISIS. Got to hand it to him. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, Harvey Weinstein. Hey, you know what? He produced a lot of really good movies. So let's talk about those. Let's review all of Harvey Weinstein's movies that were really good. Goodwill Hunting. What a <laughs> right, I love that movie. So you know what? Ah, uh, you yeah. know what? Things you gotta happen. hand it to him. <laughs> right, you gotta happen. hand it to Harvey. Yeah, gotta you gotta respect him for that at least. Right? Gangs no. of New York. You know what? Hey, you don't. You don't have to. No. <laughs> Jeez, it's unbelievable. Oh, God. You know, these people who are attached to this man as this grandfatherly figure that they just admire and they just can't accept it, you know, and and, and (laughs) it's just, it's crazy, you know? You know, you see, you know, Tony Khan with his sassy little tweet plug-in rampage and you got jim varsalone from uh what is he the miami herald i forget what outlet he's from. uh ooh, i think and and yeah i think that's right you know it, oh tony it's not the time well, why is it not <laughs> the time fucking is the time yes. what what res- what what respect does anybody owe vince mcmahon none yeah especially me, not his, no, no, his I'm, business I'm competitor his business competitor owes him zero respect and you random miami herald dude do not owe him any respect either you, you don't owe vince mcmahon no. shit it's not the time. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's not the time. The time the guy, for mourning. Guy... No, it's celebration. This fucking demon is out of here. This fucking creep. This fucking asshole is gone. Like it's time for celebration. He's allegedly a serial rapist. What do you mean it's not the time? <laughs> not the time. Who cares? What are we doing here? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> you know, Tony Khan can all sassy little tweets he wants. Who gives a shit? I, 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 I just can't believe it because I'm not even talking about. <laughs> no, I about can. Dope. No, no, no. I can believe it, Joe. Because <laughs> I'm not even talking about dopey, like, Liv Morgan avatar people. Like, oh, I, no, no. Like, all... like blonde, like media members. 
Medium. These are like yeah. real humans that yeah. should know better, like adults. Adults, yeah, adult humans, not thirteen-year-old live Morgan stands. So yeah, I, you know, oh, now's not the time, Tony. What? You're finger wagging him? <laughs> You're finger wagging the wrong guy. Right, finger wag Vince. What are we doing here? <laughs> Come on, you know, Satin's another one, and you know, <laughs> Barcelona, and I know I'm forgetting a few. I oh, a lot. You're forgetting a lot, them. Joe. They were all over Believe the place. Me. I'd love to bury all of them. I should have took notes. You know, I, I'd love to bury every single one of them. But uh, <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of a lot of the uh, the the, uh, the the podcast that you would think would would uh, not cover this very well did not cover it very well. A lot of them were just like, "Ah, you never say never." Vince might be back or something. It was just like the worst way to possibly cover this thing. It was like, "What's next for Vince McMahon?" Like, I don't know. He's probably gonna die in, in you know, disgrace. You know? <laughs> What's next for Vince McMahon? Jail, I don't hopefully? care. Yeah, probably jail. Maybe jail. I don't care. Prison? Jail or death. Hopefully. Yeah, probably. Jeez. Yeah. Like, I don't care. Um, I would give a shit. What's next for Vince McMahon? No, because you know what it is. Again, they're holding out hope he comes back. Right. They 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 admire him. You know, listen, and and this is our victory lap because you can go back to that fucking Pat McAfee interview. They all showed their hand. Every one of these fuckers showed their hand the day of that Pat McAfee interview. Every one of them. And some of them have been smart enough to lay low this time. They have. Some of them have learned their lessons. Okay? Some of them have either learned their lessons or are at least smart enough to lay low. But all of these fuckers showed their hand that day. And that's why we called them out. And that's why we went mental on the show that week. And uh, because because it's it's like this person, you're 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 gonna you're gonna burn yourself down the line by attaching your reputation to uh, to this person, and none of them understood it, and some of them still haven't learned, still have not learned. It's crazy, but that was the day where they all showed their hands. Yeah. Oh, he's such a human. He works out at three a.m. Oh my god. He does nah. what's best for fans. Oh my god, I knew it. <laughs> nah, now's not the time. Shame on you, Tony Khan. Yeah, oh, yeah, Tony Khan's go. the bad guy here. <laughs> right. oh, yeah, that, that's the bad guy. Not the serial rapist. Tony <laughs> Khan's the bad guy. Because he made a sassy little tweet to promote his little wrestling show that night. Okay? Give me a break. It's gross. Ugh, gee, it's fucking unbelievable. <laughs> exactly. Let me tell you something. If Vince came back, they'd all they'd. Celebrate. Oh yeah, they they'd bow before him. They would do the you know no chance in hell bow. I always I yeah. laugh about those fans. They cut to the fans and they're, oh, oh. <laughs> they would do that if they were in the building. They would do that for sure. Yeah. What Brian a return! Brian <laughs> Brian a, a sassy little video with music with YouTube music playing in the background about uh, Vince McMahon is back. What can we expect for Monday Night Raw? They they would all they'd celebrate if he came back. These clowns, every one of them. Feckless cowards. The whole lot of them. We got any more in his Vince shit? Or, uh, uh, I think we're done. I mean, we're now we're going <laughs> to preview his the, the the hottest party of the summer, Joe. Summer sense coming. No, I got nothing more on, on, on Vince. I will say uh, they did send a press release here real quick. Uh, WWE executive Paul Levesque uh, will assume all responsibilities related to WWE's creative in addition to his regular duties. Uh, one thing, uh, do you have any concerns about his health? I saw a lot of people saying, well, oh, can he have the, can, can he withstand the pressure of doing this? And, and can he withstand this? And can he withstand that? Like, I think there's real questions to be asked about that. But I also think that the job doesn't have to be as ridiculous as Vince McMahon made it. You know what I mean? Like, it might not have to be 
a thing where you don't have to ever sleep and you have to be a maniac and you have to call people at 4 a.m. You have to rewrite the script days in advance or, you know, hours in advance and, and rip everything up and change everything. Like, it's possible this job isn't that stressful that Vince just made it that stressful. I'm sure there's going to be pressure. And if he is truly not 100% healthy and, and um, you know, if he's not careful about it, I mean, I'm sure that is a concern that you can maybe have, but I don't think, like, he's going to have a heart attack within, like, two months of doing this job or whatever. I just don't think you have to make the job what it is you just you can there, there are probably ways to make this job easier and that might be that might speak to your point too where he doesn't want to really upset the apple cart either of saying you know what i'm tearing this whole thing up and i'm rewriting everything every single week and i'm te- you know we're doing this and we're doing because that's a lot of pressure too he might just say hey you know what hey bruce what you what were you guys doing hey bruce what do you have you know because bruce is still there and, and we'll, we'll mention that too that was in the press release he might just say you know Paul might just sit in the big chair and just say, oh, yeah, all right, yeah, sounds good. All right, cool. What do you guys have for this? You know, and let the writers do the writer's job and let and, and just maybe not change everything and not do anything, you know, because maybe he is conscious of his health and saying, ah, you know what? Do I really need to be working over all, all night into the night and, and, and calling people and rewriting stuff? Do I need all that shit? Probably not. And then that, that could speak to it, too. But yeah, I don't think this guy is like, I don't there. think his heart's about to explode, like, imminently. They have a whole team of people there. You know, it. it, it let them earn their money. Right. Yeah. He might sit in the chair and say, all right, what do you guys got? You know, what, what do we have for Monday? You know, sit there and let them do stuff. Maybe they have to write for the first time ever and not, you know, worry and, and, and cower in fear about Vince yelling at them. So that, that might be good. Um, so otherwise we have on this, Nick Khan and Stephanie Mann were appointed to the, uh, by the board as co-CEOs with Stephanie assuming the, per, uh, the position of chairwoman of the board. Uh, for now, Bruce Pritchard will remain in his role and work in creative. Uh, so far, I think we've heard nothing about Kevin Dunn, uh, but I cannot imagine that he's very long for the company given, you know, his, his close relationship with Vince, his not close relationship with Paul and, and Stephanie. So uh, we'll see what happens with Kevin Dunn. But again, maybe you don't want to change a bunch of things and get a new director and try to you know do all that sort of stuff. So possibly Kevin Dunn stays. Uh, and then there was a joint uh, quote that said, we are grateful for the opportunity to lead WWE together with our unmatched management team. We recognize this is a tremendous opportunity and responsibility, and we look forward to serving the WWE universe. Yeah, if you want a more detailed Vince burial, we've got that hour and 15 minutes of audio behind the paywall. Uh, what's that, on the $5 tier? Uh, that is $10. Oh, it's $10 tier. It was live. It was live, baby. Yeah, $10, baby. You're paying for $10. $10 tier for a much I more that, I had to make that thing fucking live from a hotel fitness room. No, you're getting you're paying 10 bucks for that shit. Plug the two written ones, too. What, uh, yeah, what, so I wrote one that uh, – let me get the two titles of both of those as we can do it here. Yours is a little more uh, – mine is we, we now are living in an un, you know new Vince-less world or whatever. Mine was titled – let's see. Da, 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 da. Yours was A Great Day for Pro Wrestling, The Shameful and Overrated Legacy of Vince McMahon. That is available on the $5 tier. You've made it available on the $5 tier so more people could read it, uh, as they all should. Uh, most of the other writing is going to be on the $10 tier, just so you know. But that one is on the $5 tier. Just incredible stuff from you, Joe. Uh, the opening paragraph alone <laughs> tells uh, the whole story. But, yeah, really, really good stuff about how this is just not – yeah, you, no roses will be thrown uh, from us uh, here at FlagshipPatreon.com or the, the Flagship Podcast. Not not happening here. Um, and, yeah, a great day for wrestling, the shameful and overrated legacy of Vince McMahon. Uh, and my article, which uh, came out a couple days after that, available on the $10 tier, uh, is we are officially living in an unprecedented wrestling world. Just talking about how, for so long, Vince McMahon has been the most powerful guy in wrestling, the most powerful figure in wrestling, the most prominent figure in wrestling. Wrest- for a lot of people, wrestling is synonymous with Vince McMahon. That is not the case anymore. And how, for some people, that feels like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? What's going to It'd probably be fine. Wrestling is probably going to be fine. It's okay. It existed after him, and it or existed before him. It'll exist after him. But uh, just about how 
just to the scope of like how long this guy has been in charge and how long he's been the most powerful figure in wrestling and, and how, you know, we woke up one day and that was just not the case anymore, that he is no longer that. So um, two great articles up there uh, at flagshippatreon.com, patreon.com slash voices wrestling, also voices wrestling.com. Uh, slash Patreon. Some other good stuff up there as well. So we have the breaking uh, news audio live, as you said, hour and 15 minutes uh, of us discussing Vince McMahon's uh, resigning, discussing Vince McMahon's uh, creative flops throughout the years. Like I said, it was kind of an event session for 45 minutes where we just were like, yeah, and another thing this guy sucks at, you know, so it was good. Uh, people like that. You know, we were talking about the, how he screwed up The Rock, how he screwed up Stone Cold Steve Austin, how he almost fired John Cena, how he screwed up Daniel Bryan, like just time, time after time. Uh, somehow, some way, got uh, got got through it. Got lucky. Got something happened or whatever. But uh, there's that uh, instant reaction. ROH Death Before Dishonor. You reviewed uh, that show. We're gonna talk about it a little bit later because I didn't give my thoughts on that show. But we'll quickly uh, go over that show a little bit later. But you did an instant reaction uh, that night uh, after the show uh, this weekend. And also, you're continuing your G1 Climax reviews as well. Every single night of the G1 Climax and. Uh, it's starting to uh, <laughs> it's starting to wear on you a little bit, but uh, that's okay. There's only uh, what is it? Only like 14 more shows to go, Joe. I think you're in the you're in the home stretch now. Only uh, you know 14 or 15 more G1s uh, to go, and then you're out of the out of the woodwork there. But uh, yeah, you got the G1 Climax uh, daily audios as well uh, that are on their Thursday Dynamite review from you as well. So if a recap of one of the best. Um, Dynamites I've ever seen. I I just finished it uh, about an hour ago. Just a fucking awesome episode of Dynamite, uh, and you previewed or reviewed that I should say uh, in the Thursday Dynamite review, uh, and then some other stuff as well. Beach Bash. I'm going through the WCW Bash at the Beach main events, also Beach Blast. Uh, so we started in 1992. I uh, just published, uh, or actually by the time most of you guys listen to this, 1996 will be out, and that's obviously a huge one with Hulk Hogan turning heel, joining the NWO. So I try to cover that from a somewhat different angle than what most people have heard time and time and time again uh, over their lives. Uh, but yeah, it's been a lot of fun. 1995 was a, a, a fun show. You know, they did a show actually on a beach. So we talk a little bit about the infrastructure of, of running a show on a beach and how WCW, of course, didn't charge any money for people to come watch the show because that's perfect WCW stuff. But uh, yeah, that is there. Uh, and starting in August, we'll be doing the SummerSlam Scrambler again as well. So SummerSlam, WWE decided to have SummerSlam in July, but fuck that, it's an August pay-per-view. So throughout August, I'm going to review uh, random SummerSlam matches. But um yeah, I think that's about it. Oh, yeah, sorry, the end match of the week. Uh, a great match this week, uh, Ric Flair versus Butch Reed. If you've never seen this match, by the way, go out of your way to check this out. You you might know, you might think you know what Butch Reed wrestles like, but I promise you, if you haven't watched this era of Butch Reed, you don't know what Butch Reed wrestles like. It's an awesome match. It's Ric Flair versus Butch Reed uh, from February 17th, 1982. Just a really, really good, really, really fun match uh, between those two guys. And, yeah, you've had a lot of Ric Flair matches uh, in recent, uh, uh, you know, recent weeks as we kind of are slowly getting to Ric Flair's final match, which we are going to talk about uh, here in a little bit. But there is a ton, a ton of stuff over there at FlagshipPatreon.com. As you said, $5, $10 tiers uh, are the big ones. We also have a $1 trial tier to just give us a try. A few things every so often will pop up on there. But yeah, we really do recommend uh, the $5 tier for all the additional audio and then the $10 tier for all the written stuff, all the live stuff, instant reaction lives, everything we write, all that stuff is available on the $10 tier at flagshippatreon.com. So yeah, plenty of great stuff up there. We have done an ungodly amount. I'm looking now. I mean, we've done, it was like, like 13 things have posted in the last week. That's, that's pretty wild. <laughs> that's a lot of stuff that you, that two people are churning together while we're also maintaining actual lives and other stuff. So that's, that's pretty crazy. Butch Reed suffers a bit from the same kind of affliction that 
uh, Kim Patera and Adrian Adonis and Jim Duggan suffer from in that by the time they got to WWE and with the changes that Vince made to their presentation and just the, 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 the house style of the work, because people remember those guys from, you know, that late 80s era of WWF, um, they kind of get reputations that they don't really deserve. Adrian Adonis was a fucking workhorse. I mean, this guy, even, you know, as he gained weight, he was, you know, he bumped all over the place and he was just such an incredible worker. And Jim Duggan in Mid-South is just almost a completely different human uh, than, than what you would see later with the, Oh yeah, I've know. had to, I have a buddy who and, uh, like I, I mentioned something about Jim Duggan once, and he's like that dude's a fucking clown. Like Jim Duggan sucks, and I was like, stop right there. <laughs> I agree. I agreed with you at one time in my life, but stop right there. And I showed him like I forget what it was. It was Jim Duggan. I think it was Jim Duggan versus Flair or something like that from Mid South. And he was just like, holy shit. And I'm like, yeah, dude, this guy was awesome. He was just probably Dubiasi. He was a probably badass. Yeah. Oh my god, Jim Duggan in Mid South rules so much. But yeah, then he came to WWE and stuck his tongue out and went, ah, USA. <laughs> like, let's do it. It's so and, bad. Yeah. And um, Vince sucks. <laughs> it sucks. My that's god. what I mean. He, you know, he sucks. How many wrestlers were the worst possible version of themselves <laughs> with this guy? The best thing you could say about Vince, quite honestly, you want me to say something nice about Vince McMahon? Yeah, go for he it. Helped, he helped a lot of people make a lot of money. Wrestlers, I mean. And people in the wrestling business make more money than, you know, than, than they would have made without it. That undoubtedly was a positive. There's no question about that. There's millionaires today that would not be millionaires without Vince and, and all those sorts of things. But, um, you know, Ken Patera, the post-prison run, which that wasn't really Vince's fault. That one, he had just lost it physically and wasn't any good anymore. But the post-prison Patera run is what a lot of fans remember of Ken Patera, you know? And whether you're of a certain age or whether you're too young to remember him, but you, but really the only history you go back and watch is on the network or whatever, you you know? And, and I think getting back to Butch Reed, he kind of suffers from that too because – when he came in in 86 with Slick as the natural Butch Reed, and they came in as a package. You know, they, they were together, um, you know, outside of the – they brought them in together as a package. But, you know, by the time Butch Reed got there, and he undoubtedly was lazy, tired, and banged up. I mean, he had that injury. I can't remember exactly what the injury was. But, you know, Wasn't working it, thought, all those – Was it Achilles? It was something – I forget what it was. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to see if I can figure it out. It was something had, pretty bad, yeah. He had an injury. When, he came in with an injury. And plus all those days on the road and knowing that you can get away with, with yeah, having late – More than anything, just matches. knowing that I don't – and the schedule, too, is horrific. Like, that the, schedule yeah. is ridiculous. Nobody could actually work that hard at that schedule. So that was not – you know, the natural Butch Reed was not a good run for him, you know, bell to bell. And that's the run that the vast majority of people remember because it was national – and it was during the you know peak of the Hulkamania era. And he unfairly has a reputation of being a lousy worker because he wasn't great on that year and a half or two year run or whatever it was. And, you know, you go back and watch Butch Reed from the early 80s, like this match of the week we put up against Flair. And, you know, it's not just the work, but the charisma and, and, and the explosiveness. And it's just like watching a completely different wrestler and you'll have a newfound appreciation if all you know is, you know, the natural, 
you know, who feuded with superstar Billy Graham, who was also a broken down shell of his former self. And he was never a great worker to begin with, you know, um, you know, in, in 1988 WWF. So he's one of those guys whose reputation I think really suffers because people only know of some people only know of his WWF run. And, um, you know, that's a, it, it, a real interesting match of the week. If, if, um, uh, you haven't seen it. It's peak douchebag heel flair. And you know, I don't want to give away. Well, you know, spoiler alert from 40 years ago. <laughs> but before I was um, born. Yeah. You know, they go to a, a, a time limit. They go to a 40 30 minute. Ago, yeah. They go to a 30 minute draw, but I think 20 minutes of it air on TV. Or it's 20 minutes. Or it doesn't matter. They go to a time limit draw for this world title. The match is in Florida. Flair's defending against Butch Reed. And, um, and, and Flair wants to beat this man, so he he gives him five more minutes. But then Reed beats him in the overtime period with a high cross body. So everybody thinks they've just witnessed the crowning of a new world champion. And then Flair goes to Gordon Soley at the desk. He's like, "No, no, no! My contract states that I can only lose the championship in the first, you know." So he weasels out of that, you know, even though he's the one that wanted the additional five minutes. And then that sets off basically a year long program in Florida where Butch Reed is chasing Ric Flair and the, and the NWA world title. And then of course, you know, they, they, they feuded with each other in other territories as well in Georgia, mid South and all these other places too. But the, that is the, the, the angle that really kicked off the Flair Reed rivalry, uh, which really ran all throughout the eighties. I mean, they had a main event match on a WCW Clash of the Champions in 1990 yeah. in Jacksonville, mm-hmm. Florida. You know, they were trying to capture that magic, WCW, of the Flair-Reed feud from Florida from, you know, seven, eight years earlier. And they headlined Clash of the Champions 13 with Flair versus Butch Reed. You know, with the roles reversed, I think Flair was the babyface because Butch Reed was with Doom. And um, I think the deal was they flipped a coin because it was Flair and Arn and Doom. And they flipped a coin to see who would face each other, you know, the whole kayfabe deal. And it, it was Flair and Reed. And I think if Flair won, they got a tag team title shot. And if Doom and if uh, Butch Reed won, then uh, would they get like uh, they got to use Flair's limousine or use Arn as a servant for a day. I forget what exactly the stipulations were. And and they could never challenge for the tag team titles. And right, that's right, what right. Yeah. Um, you know, so they tried to recapture that, you know, and that clash in Jacksonville, you know, drew five or 6,000 fans, you know, even with late stage Butch Reed, you know, post the poor WWE run and everything like that. But you know, I really feel like Reed is one of those guys who has that, you know, a kind of a rep cemented with people. And um, he's well worth investigating if, 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 if all you know of him is that run is the natural, which yeah, and I think know, we did. A, when, he, and... he passed away what a January or February of last year, and I want to say yeah. we did a very very long segment about him. If you're really interested in we learning did. more about uh, about Butch Reed, uh, that's a really good um, show to go back to. He, I remember us just going at length about his entire career and 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 some of his highlights and some of the big matches. But yeah, you, we we've kind of always uh, banged that drum of like, do not judge Butch Reed by what you maybe think you know about Butch Reed. Like, go out and watch some of his stuff because he he will in some and hell even the late WCW stuff I think is way way better than the WWF stuff. That dude was either broken down, just knew lazy, knew what he needed to do. Lazy's maybe not the right word. Just kind of knew what was going on, knew the score, realized, hey, I'm not busting my ass for this stuff. I don't, nobody gives a shit if I can, if I 
go out there and work my ass off. But he he absolutely could. And yeah, some of that stuff from 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 that early '80s uh, era, uh, especially in there with you know an all time great like Ric Flair, just really really great stuff. So go anyway, check he, it out. And you know that's one of Tony Khan's all time favorite wrestlers. Neither here nor there. Just a little trivia. And um, and Butch Reed was a big fan of Powerhouse Hobbs before he died. And you got to remember, he died what twenty twenty one. So, yeah, early early twenty twenty one. So he saw in Powerhouse Hobbs before he didn't even see like the current Powerhouse Hobbs. I think he's, I think Hobbs has improved exponentially. Oh, I agree with you. Yeah, when I took over for you uh, uh, on Dynamite reviews, I said like, this dude is coming. Like, get ready for this. Get on the train because you're gonna be you're gonna be passed by really really quickly because he is gonna be a dude. And obviously on this week's Dynamite. Uh, we we have accelerated the you know this guy is going to be a dude thing really quickly because yeah I think Hobbs is going to be awesome I think he's improved a lot I think he gets it more uh, he's getting confidence a, he's, his confidence is is through the roof like he is going to be a dude he is absolutely going to be a dude yeah so even early on in the early Will Hobbs AEW days you know when he was just doing jobs and maybe just finally got pushed as part of Team Taz part of that act you know uh, Butch Reed was telling people that's the next hacksaw Butch Reed and. I think as the story goes, they considered calling him Hacksaw Hobbs, but they went with Powerhouse Hobbs, which Hacksaw Hobbs would have been a hell of a name. That's a cool name. The problem is Jim Duggan has kind of uh, unfortunately taken that name. Like when you think of Hacksaw, you think of Jim Duggan. Most people think of Jim Duggan, and that sucks because they think of the tongue in the side of the mouth. I'm going to do it. All right, USA. (laughs) Like they think of that, which sucks because like. Hexa Butchery's fucking cool as hell. That dude is a badass. He's so cool. So yeah, it would be. A, it's a sweet name, but I do feel like that name has unfortunately been kind of ruined. So I think they probably made the right choice by not making him ha- a hacksaw hot. Because like, then Tony would have to come onto these fucking press conferences and say, "No, he's actually hacksaw because of like, you know, because he push Hobbs at one point, and then Hobbs would win a title, and then some dork would say like, oh, it's uh, you know, it's pretty interesting that he has he shares the same nickname with Jim Duggan. Like, what's the influence there?" And then Tony would have to go on like an hour rant about how no, no. Oh, it's actually because of Butch Reed, and then he would have to tell you about. He would tell you this same conversation we just had for the last twenty minutes yeah, about yeah, Butch yeah. Reed. So. Right, right, yeah. Go through the <laughs> which actually would roll. Maybe they should call him Hacksaw Hobbs. Never mind. I, t- I changed my uh, opinion. But the because uh, Mid South Tony would have to crack the knuckles and go. All right, <laughs> history lesson, dorks. Here you go. <laughs> but even in thinking about this, it, it's it's even possible that they couldn't use the name because it's trademarked. True. Is it possible WWE has hacksaw trade? It Ooh, could. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I, I'm. I'm sure someone listening can can look maybe that up. Or... Wanna, maybe they didn't want to fuck with that. Maybe yeah. there's like you know what they probably have it trademarked or they do have it trademarked. That's entirely possible. Yeah, too. and Duggan's still going around. I think um, calling himself hacksaw Jim Duggan. So yeah, maybe you just. And isn't he under a legends deal? You know. Yeah, there probably. Might be yeah. Legal things tied up with that, and um, you know, and maybe you know it's also possible because I remember you know I think Jim Ross was telling Hobbs, look, you need to watch Butch Reed tapes. And I think it's also possible that, you know, maybe Hobbs wanted to carve out his own niche. Mm-hmm. Maybe he wanted to make powerhouse Hobbs. Maybe he wants to be the first powerhouse Hobbs and not the next hacksaw butchery. Right. I mean, that's possible too. You know, I don't have anything against doing tributes as far as name. I mean, that's been part of pro wrestling since forever, but I also don't have anything against the guy saying, Hey, you know what? Maybe I want to be the first of me and not necessarily be the next, you know, hacksaw butchery. So I don't know that the, total story behind why he's powerhouse Hobbs as opposed to hacksaw Hobbs. But, um, but yeah, there's also that connection as well. You know, Mid-South Tony isn't just something I invented, you know, Tony Khan obviously loves Mid-South and uh, you know, Butch Reed was one of his favorite wrestlers. So um, anyway, that was, uh, 
The match of the week is Butch Reed versus Ric Flair. 19, February 17th, I want to say, 1982, um, from the Florida Sportatorium, the lesser-known sportatorium in pro wrestling, that uh, that smaller uh, Florida version of uh, – they called that building um, in Florida the Sportatorium, which probably held about 200 people or whatever, as opposed to the Sportatorium in Dallas, which held you know 3,000 people or whatever it was. But um, – Anyway, that was uh, Butch Reed and Ric Flair. Yep. Find a people. Of course, yeah. The 25-minute Butch Reed segment you did not think you were going to get on this episode, but you never know uh, what you're going to get here. Anyway, that's all available at flagshippatreon.com, patreon.com uh, slash voices of wrestling. All right, Joe, let's talk about the biggest party, the hottest party, I forget what they called it, uh, of the summer. Uh, SummerSlam is in July this year. It felt like it snuck up on me. I was like, no, 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 it's not SummerSlam season yet, but they've decided, nah, it is. We're doing late July, uh, I believe, because of the UK pay-per-view. So they've moved SummerSlam to July. So SummerSlam makes its July debut uh, this weekend, heading to the Nissan Stadium in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, tickets have been okay from what I've seen. Uh, the, the setup is a little... It's not a full setup. They're not getting... you know, they're, Whatever they announce, they're going to announce 60000 or something like that. I believe... Let me see exactly where it's at. I just saw this a little bit earlier. Okay. Uh, from WrestleTix. Yeah, from WrestleTix. <clears throat> uh, current setup and capacity uh, is 37,752. They've distributed 35,000 tickets. So it looks like they'll get somewhere between 35 and, and 37. Hold on tickets. now. Was it like 19,000 two days ago? Uh, no. They, apparently, like, something happened in the last couple of weeks. that Because that, I agree. It was down to 19, but it has now increased by a lot. So I don't know. I... I, I I can't knock them for drawing 35,000 people. We'll see how many were paid. But, um, again, I mean, you got half the building that's not set up and everything. Isn't it like half the building that they yeah, have? Yeah, I think that stadium does somewhere between seventy to 75,000. So. I don't know. Can't you find a 35,000-seat building and, and fill it? <laughs> we got to do stadiums. Oh, can, I, can I bring this up? I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad I thought of this. So the MSG Raw, okay? We're all acting like, you know, draw oh, MSG, it's sold out. Rich, 12,000 people. 12,000 people. Ah, Bruno, Bruno's rolling in his grave when you're happy about a 12,000-seat house. Yeah, get out of here. I understand that's the setup for the Raw. I get that. Okay. But you cannot celebrate 12,000 people in Madison Square Garden if you're WWE. You cannot. Okay. In another era, there are eras of this company where if they drew 12,000 people in MSG, they would do a title change. I was going to say, that- someone's losing their title. Bob Backlund is losing his title, if that's the case. Okay, so come on now. What was it, six months ago, eight months ago, where you know they, they had uh, 9,000 tickets out, and then they papered 2,000 more that they had a show to get it to 11,000, and then they lied up to 14,000. And that was like eight months ago. Okay? I cannot sit here... And celebrate doing 12,000 people in Madison Square Garden. That's a joke. Okay? I saw a lot of people, oh, they're back. W- 12,000 people <laughs> in MSG? I understand they have these dopey stages now. Wake me up when there's 18, 19,000 Right. Well, if people were banging at the door to buy tickets, you can probably reduce that stage, too. You know, that's what they did for Forbidden Door. They had a big stage and then said, all right, you know what? Fuck the big stage. <laughs> Let's sell some tickets instead, so... I mean, is that really where we're at now, where we're celebrating? Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 that's where in, we're at. In Madison Square Garden, MSG, this is not the Songus Center in Massachusetts. This is not fucking Oshkosh, Wisconsin. This is Madison Square Garden. 12,000 people? I'm supposed to – oh, they're back. Give me a break. 
Pull down your dopey stage and put 20,000 people in the garden. Let me see it. I'll be impressed with that. I'll tell you what. They put 20,000 people in MSG. If they sell 20,000, I will buy a needle mover shirt and wear it on this show and do it <laughs> a video podcast. There it is. Okay, I'll buy the needle mover shirt. Because they, they can't. 12,000 people MSG, and we're celebrating. Give me a break. Jeez. Anyway. Uh, so possibly related, it does appear that they're doing a, a, a two-for-one deal uh, for SummerSlam. Some people are saying they did a three-for-one deal as well, so I, I don't know exactly what's going on. But they got they got the tickets sold. They're at their 35000 or whatever they're going to get to. So there you go. That's, that's, that's SummerSlam, the hottest part of the summer. All right, Joe, are you ready to preview this show, which I'm sure you are – are champing at the bits to discuss all of these hot I mean, sports entertainment matches this at this premium live event you're, this you're, weekend. You're going to be way more down on this than I am. I can promise you that. You you are just the pits. <laughs> this show sucks. Look at this. Show. This show's garbage. I think it's got potential. It's got some potential. Yeah, to show. Okay. Let's go through it. Let's go through the show. A little live instant reaction this Sunday. Right? No, it's Saturday, no. dude. It's Saturday. I'm not staying home on a Whatever Saturday. I'm not staying Whatever home on a day. Saturday to watch this shit. Are you kidding? Got all here. right. Uh, no disqualification. The Mysterios, Dominic and Ray. Yeah, tell me how excited you are for the show. Uh, versus the Judgment Day of Damian Priest and Finn Balor. Joe, I ask you this question: If Dominic turns on Ray and joins the Judgment Day, will you care about Dominic? You're gonna have to. Um, He's a part of the Judgment Day. I will never oh, care about Dominic. Never. They've been teasing this turn for a year and a half now. Hey, have you can seen we the way Dominic uh, turns so he can just go away? Come on. What are we doing here? I know you're not as tuned in on Twitter as you used to be, but there was a big um discussion earlier this week among the, you know, WWE hardcore Twitter crowd or whatever you want to call it. And the uh the point <laughs> the discussion point was uh you know, Dominic never seems to improve. Why is he? Re- <laughs> yeah, that's weird. Fi- they're, <laughs> I know. They're finally, they're finally catching up yeah. to Dominic. Yeah, you're stinks. right. You're right. That is weird. Can you believe how long it took for them to catch up to Dominic? Is is terrible. I mean, you couldn't tell that like almost immediately. I mean, he's fucking utterly useless. And I'll tell you another thing. I have no use for Rey Mysterio anymore either. You know, it's not Muto levels. I'm not going to go that far, but. Um, you know, do I need to see Rey Mysterio ever wrestle again? I, oh, which yeah. I honestly, and he's I one of my favorites ever, but no, I'm good if I never see him ever again. I'm good. So. I'm good. I, I don't need – especially in this company. No use for it. Shit or get off the pot. Have his dopey little son who stinks turn on him already and get it <laughs> over with. Please? How long have we been teasing this? Can we just do it? He could join the spooky goths. He could put a little, uh, you know, black paint under his eyes, whatever. Put on a fucking. How bad is that going to be? By the way, I, I can't. Honestly, I will care about Dominic because it's going to be so lame. Where he's going to say, "My dad never did anything for me," yeah. and Edge is going to be in the back, just kind of like, or Finn, Edge is gone now, but like Finn Balor is going to be in the back, just like, aha, yes, yes. <laughs> As Dominic with his like, you know, black eyeliner, <laughs> but and luckily it's yeah. going to be so atrocious that it'll be gone in like two weeks, and then we'll never have to see Dominic again, which will be. He could get those giant fucking ear studs which oh yeah know, yeah yeah the uh, uh oh yeah, shit i forget the, what they're uh, called yeah he could get some facial piercings uh, maybe a, <laughs> he's got a nose ring he just comes maybe a prince albert 
Who knows? Yeah. Well, I don't want to. I don't could, want to see that. But. He, he could put on a yeah, get a dinosaur junior T-shirt like Raven in 1995. <laughs> you know, he could just. Uh, that's what we can do get for his nipples pierced. Yeah, his nipples pierced. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so cut horrible would... promos. You people promos. My dad. You know, my dad. Rem- my, you. These people remind me of my dad. You know, they never believed in me. Like you know, yeah, terrible stuff. Go away. I, I saw someone make a great point in that Dominic discussion, though, where mm-hmm. they said, um, "It's just a someone on Twitter." I, I don't. They said. Uh, it, because remember, he had his first match, and people were like, "Ah, he's not that bad." Man, we even positively reviewed that match. But yeah, he was fine. When you when you think about it, right? It was in the pandemic, so it was probably rehearsed, taped, edited, like uh, everything else. Um, and it was with Seth Rollins, who you know is one of the better guys in the company and everything. And I, I know it was on a quote unquote pay per view, but wasn't it in front of no fans? Wasn't it either Thunderdome or or PC or whatever? Who the fuck knows if it, that match was really live, right? Like they could have, they could have taped that fucking thing a week before. Could have had a thousand edits. Who knows? Because he's looked nothing but atrocious ever since. Like not, he's not even letting him look bad. He looks atrocious. He looks untrained most of the time. He's awful. But you know what's happening? I'm caring too much about Dominic. Yeah, you're so starting to care too. about Dominic. I think a little. You're starting to turn, which is good. This is a good, good. You know, you're, it's time. Why is that good? It's time for you to start caring about Dominic because he's the new member of the Judgment Day. So, uh, you know. In canon, did uh, Eddie Guerrero pork Dominic's mom? Is he really Eddie Guerrero's or what is um, it? No, he had custody of Dominic, I think, for a while. Oh, okay. But yeah, I don't, right. I don't, I don't think like he was actually his father, or maybe he was. I don't, I don't really remember. So, um, all right, let's move on to <laughs> Logan Paul versus The Miz. Mike Mizan and Joe. They call him The Miz. Mike The Miz Mizan. <laughs> right. yes. We're in another The Miz is underrated phase. Oh, no, no. I can't do another one. Yeah, we're in one. I can't do it. I can't do it. This is our eighth. We can't do another one. We're done. I don't know what to tell you. We're, we're doing, we're really doing that again? Yeah. Oh, my God. I can't. I'm not doing it. I'm not going to do it. He's great. Pro's pro. Wrestler, wrestler, <laughs> future Hall of Famer. Cuts the same fucking promo every time. Which he is, to be honest. He is a future Hall of Famer. Oh, hey, yeah. what do you think is going to happen with the WWE Hall of Fame with uh, Paul Levesque in charge? Oh, yeah. I don't know. Right? Uh, he's probably That's a mark a, for that th- thing. I think he likes that Hall of Fame. No, but I mean in terms of who they pick. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Change the, you know. Here's something else I was thinking about. Vince can't be in it. Oh, that's right. He always said, I don't want yeah, to. Well, he right. never put himself in, and now you can't put him in. Right. Oh, yeah. That's great. If they're going to put him in, they got to hope this story drags a few more months, and they got to put him in this year. Yeah. That's the only way. Because by next year, by 2024. Yeah, he might be too toxic to even go in. That Oh, what, what a perfect thing that he can't even get into his own Hall of Fame. That's, he can't get it. They, he cannot be in his own Hall of Fame. That's pretty good, actually. Which, you know, he probably doesn't care about. Because, remember, he he would always tell everybody, don't thank me in your speech. He's real weird about that Hall of Fame. Yeah. Like, he didn't want to yeah. be in it. Don't thank me. He's just a fucking weirdo all around, this guy. Pretty weird person, yeah. Yeah. So... Anyway, Logan Paul and The Miz with mixed up fucking face heel dynamics, right? <laughs> I don't, the problem is that WWE thinks, 
uh, hopefully, maybe tri- maybe old Trips will figure out how to do this story at this point because Vince had no idea how to do this story. He knows that Logan Paul is popular. He knows that Logan Paul has YouTube. He knows that Logan Paul does this or does that or whatever. So he thinks, oh, Logan Paul's a star. He doesn't realize that the reason Logan Paul's a star because everybody hates his fucking guts. He's that kind of person. He's that kind of personality that people just fucking hate him. So, of course, Vince McMahon, who has no understanding of anything going on in the world, has this guy as the baby face because he thinks he's a star. So he's kind of a face, but he's also just such an ungodly asshole. And people know that, so they're all booing him. And The Miz has got to cut his, I'm an eight-time Intercontinental Champion. I main evented WrestleMania. And the fans are just like, yeah, I mean, he's not wrong. So they start cheering him, even though he's supposed to be the face. It's a fucking disaster. It's all mixed up. It's everything <laughs> They don't about. know how to tell stories because they suck. Vince yeah. McMahon yeah. stinks. <laughs> like... So do you think they're just going to go through? Well, I'll wait. I'll save that for one of the other matches. Keep going. Okay. Well, this one could be interesting. Uh, Raw Women's Championship, Bianca Belair defending her title against Becky Lynch. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it could be good. Yeah. Becky has her days, I guess. Um, I don't know. What else do you want me to say? I would say this is an interesting one where, like, I I would... I'd put it on good authority that I think if Vince was still fully, fully in charge that I could see Becky winning. But I think with Triple H, maybe there's a better chance for Bianca. Or they just kind of want this Bianca thing to keep going. And, and I hope they do. I hope she wins the SummerSlam and they just keep it going because... Uh, nobody needs to see another Becky Lynch title reign. That that does nothing for anybody at this point. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll see uh, where it ends up going. But, yeah, I'm not too – I think it'll be a, a decent match. These, this this has a chance to be one of the better matches on the entire show. Uh, this match does not have a chance to be one of the better matches on the entire show. Uh, SmackDown Women's Champion uh, Chip here. Uh, the mega star Liv Morgan versus Ronda Rousey. Y'all only live once defending the title – Against Ronda Rousey. Uh, first off, let's talk about uh, you can't you can't walk the streets without people stopping you to talk about Liv Morgan. I don't know about you, Joe. I don't know what your experience has been like, but uh, I can't yeah. even get to the grocery store. I know you don't go to the grocery store anymore. Uh, yeah, uh, you I get everything delivered, do. but yeah, it's I, I do one turn and someone goes, "Whoa, <laughs> Rich voices yeah. wrestling!" Right? I go, "Yeah, yeah." They go, yeah. "What about Liv Morgan? What a dynamo! What a just an unbelievable you know star." Uh, this this mega just the, the one of the biggest superstars in wrestling history at this point, Liv Morgan, right? Yeah, listen, I I paid at a restaurant the other day with my Amex Black card, and um, someone saw my name on it, and they said, "Say, are you the Joe Lanza from the Voice of Wrestling flagship podcast?" I said, I, "Indeed, I am." And they, again, just inundated with questions about Liv Morgan and and her newfound star power, and how she's taken over the wrestling business, you know, so. You're right, Rich. That is the buzz yeah, on the street. It just yeah, it doesn't it's, stop. It's 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 nonstop. It's obvious. It's in your face. It's uh, it's 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 something else. But uh... so the question becomes: Do <laughs> when Vince was in charge, it seemed as though they at least were talking the talk of Sasha's gone. We need to build some new female stars. Uh, why not live? And you know they're going to see this thing through. Vince is gone. Uh, do you think that? whatever these SummerSlam plans are just going to carry through and then maybe, you know, kick in whatever stories you want to tell the following Monday, or do you think Rousey was going to win this anyway? Or do you think Liv Morgan was going to retain? I, I mean, I, I, I don't know what we're going to see here. You know, I, I think they, I think they like Liv, but I, I think they're overrating her star power to a great extent. And, um, 
there might be different opinions of her with the new people in charge. I don't know. I don't know what to make of this. Yeah, I'm I'm really I saw this match and I was like, "Ooh, this is interesting here cuz I don't know what in another Rousey era, I would say that they would think, "All right, this lift thing, not, we did it. It was fun. We had her cash in. We tried it. There's not much going on here. What's the long term of this? Rousey's our star. Rousey's the person we want to send to, you know, press junkets. Rousey's the person we want to put on posters. Rousey's the person we want going around. Like, so I could totally understand in another era you would want that. But the current round of Rousey, where she is at right now, which means absolutely nothing. Like, she is completely irrelevant to any sort of star perform. Like any, uh, not She's a draw. A Non-entity in this company. Just a nothing. She is another roster member, which is unbelievable that Ronda Rousey, like, people are not going to believe. There's going to be a generation of people that just are not going to believe what she was in UFC and what she was in that first WWE run as well. Because what she's been in this run is just, like you said, just complete non-entity, just a nothing. Um, I would say in another era, you want to get that title back on Rousey as quick as possible. But does it really matter right now? given where she's at? Or do you wonder, hey, we're paying this person a lot of money, so let's give her the fucking title and do whatever we can with her to make her the biggest star uh, on this entire show because I don't, I don't know I don't know what you think with this. Yeah, it's a weird thing because you're trying to say, hey, do we want to show confidence in quote-unquote building a new star in Liv Morgan? Or do you say, hey, we're paying a shit ton of money around Ronda Rousey and she needs to be on posters and she needs to be on top of mind, uh, so why not give her the title? Let's not, Why not have her win this thing? So I, I, I think it could go either way, really. I've decided we're done with Liv. I think she loses, and that's it for her. Okay, and then we can do our victory lap. They told their silly little fucking Money in the Bank story, and... (laughs) I mean, because, I I mean, really... It's over. The story's done. Nobody's talking about it. It's done. It's irrelevant. We all knew this is the way it was going to go. Her promos have been awful. I I don't know. I... Who knows, though? You know, at the end of the day, it doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> it does What's not next? fucking matter. What, uh, what is next? This show sounds great, Joe. Yeah, you really sell me on this. Uh, first time ever, I believe, undisputed tag team titles, the Usos versus the Street Profits. But, Joe, but good old Double J, <laughs> J-E, Double F, J-A, Double R, E, Double T. <laughs> Ain't he great? Is the guest referee for some reason. <laughs> Big big weekend for Jeff Jarrett. Jeff Jarrett got so many paydays this week. Well, the matches keep having disputed finishes. So you, right, so you need you need you know someone that can call it down the middle. Noted yeah. clean match haver Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Presided over numerous disqualifications in his career. Just hold down. If there's Just... one thing Memphis told you, it was clean finish. Get in the ring and have a clean one, two, three, guys. All right, let's you know. You know he's uh. Hasn't he stuck the Titan sword into the field on this in this stadium? Right? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Has he? I don't know. Yeah, probably. Yeah, he has. Okay. Um I don't listen. These two <laughs> Big teams, draw. Big draw. <laughs> these two teams had a five star classic match of the year contender last time. So mm. I think everybody's amped up for the rematch. But, you know, the thing is, WWE fans really do believe it was a five-star classic match of the year. What did what did Dave eventually settle on with that match? Oh, let me we... see. I could find out for you real quick. Let me let me do a quick little dig here. Okay. Because that was at Money in the Bank, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Let, let me do a quick little dive here and see what uh, what the cage mention mates thought and what it actually ended up being from. Oh, they got every fucking. All right. One sec. One sec. Money. There we go. All right. It uh, got four and a half stars from Big Dave. Four and a half from Dave. That is not, by modern Dave standards, a match of the year contender. Four and a half stars. Uh, 8.15 from the cage match inmates. 8.15. Okay. So a nice little four-star match from the inmates. 
I'd love to tell you grapple, but that app's been down for about a week and a half. Yeah, is, I, yeah, it's still not working for me. <laughs> Last I tried, um, so unfortunately, sorry, I can't, I can't help you there. I think what I would I give it three and a quarter or something somewhere around um, there. Yeah, I think I went four and a quarter uh, on my end. So, so um, you know, we get back in there with the Usos and the Street Profits with Jarrett. So I don't know. <laughs> it's it's you know the, the the WWE hardcores they they have they have young bucks envy. So um, they're very insecure about the Young Bucks. So anything that the Usos do gets inflated by about half a star because they have to. They feel like they have to keep up with the Bucks, and they have to keep up this thing where the Usos are better than the Bucks. So I think that's what played into people claiming that that was the greatest tag team match of all time. Real thoughts, Rich, that were out Oof, there. Yeah, maybe so, maybe you should watch some other um, tag team matches in history. <laughs> Yikes! But uh, yeah, we're we're gonna talk about all time worker Jeff Jarrett and uh, him getting multiple paydays this weekend. But yeah, he is getting he might be getting the most paydays this entire weekend, man. He is all over the place on so many different things. Good for him, uh, Jeff Jarrett. But he's the special guest referee for the Usos versus the Street Profits for some reason. All right, United States Championship match: Bobby Lashley defending his title against Theory. Oh man, what's gonna happen at the hottest party of the summer, Joe? Between Bobby Lashley and Theory. Well, um, <laughs> tell me all about how excited you are for Theory's got the suitcase. So, you know, and he's been losing a lot. So this would tell you. Yeah. And the idea is last man standing in that main event that he could just come in and clean up the garbage. Right. And, and, uh, and take out whoever that last man standing is and come away with the title. Theory's a lot like Liv Morgan, where we don't know what the new people in charge think of him compared like obviously Vince thought he was going to eventually push this guy as a, as a top guy. You know, I don't know if triple H feels that way. Now he, he did push theory to some extent in NXT. Um, but do they see, does the new regime see theory on the same level that Vince did? I don't know the answer to that. And I guess we'll find out, you know, if Bobby Lashley beats him and then takes the suitcase and fucking, bashes him over the head with it and, or steals it or whatever, you know, maybe they'll make it clear that they're not behind theory as much as the old regime was, but they did have theory confront Roman reigns on raw. They did. Yeah. To kind of set up. So I don't know, you know, but uh Roman cut that passive aggressive line that his daddy's not here anymore. So I, I don't know. I guess we'll find out a lot what they think of theory. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it'll be pretty telling. Or, or like, yeah, you said, like, how much they want to upset the apple cart and how much they just want to kind of do what was being Get done through before. this show. Right. And yeah. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll see there. Uh, Pat McAfee versus Happy Corbin. All right. Can you imagine sitting at Nissan Stadium in Tennessee, Nashville, Tennessee, in late July? You're probably a mile away from the ring, up in the upper deck or whatever. And you got to watch fucking Pat McAfee versus Happy Corbin. You got you got binoculars so you can see the ring. That's fucking Pat yeah. McAfee versus Happy Corbin. You know, I'd rather McAfee be a wrestler. I I don't think I've been, I don't think I have a bigger disconnect with people than people who think Pat McAfee's a good announcer. I I don't get it. I, I find him so off putting. Oh, he's I mean, the worst. Yeah, he's so bad. And I know he's just doing what they want him to do. I get that, you know, and um, 
but there's people like I'm not even talking about WWE fans. Like people in our kind of circles that we run in think that Pat McAfee is a really good announcer, and I I don't understand it. I mean, I find him so annoying and off-putting to the point where, you know, sometimes I, I got that SmackDown, you know, running on the DVR, and I got to slap mute. I cannot listen to the guy. <laughs> it's it's it. I find him irritating. Um, just screeching and making noises, and I, it's a I, lot I of noises. Yeah, it's a lot of uh, things and a lot of noises. Yeah, but um. Yeah, he's obviously being encouraged to behave that way at the commentary table, and people seem to like it. I, I, I don't know, but um, no, I don't know. What the fuck do you want me to say about this? You know, yeah. Corbin attacked him at what was it, Money in the Bank after it went off the air. Yeah, he yeah choked yeah. him out, yeah. and then McAfee went to the UFC show with the neck brace on, like, <laughs> like Bobby Heenan in 1987. <laughs> I do appreciate that. Yeah, you know, he, I, I, I like the guy because he loves wrestling, dude. He loves wrestling, yeah. and I. I I tend to like him more in the ring than announcing, like you said. Um, I just don't. I can't get real excited about a, a happy Corbin Pat McAfee match, but the guy does love wrestling, so I I, I do appreciate. Um, I do appreciate him a little bit, but yeah. We'll yeah. All right, and then we have our main event for SummerSlam, the biggest slash hottest party of the summer. I forget what it was. <sighs> Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. Undisputed WWE Universal Championship match. Last man standing. My favorite thing in the world, listening to a referee slowly count to 10. While two guys lay on the mats. Oh, the best. So Excited yeah. for the barricade spots. Excited for the guy goes through a table from the F5. Uh, excited about a spear where both guys lay down. Excited to hear Paul Heyman screeching. I just cannot wait. Can't wait to hear announcers count to, or, or referees count to five. <laughs> Six. You're like, oh man, I don't know. Is this hip toss gonna do it? No, he's up. Oh man. All right. So awful. How about both guys are down after a Titanic struggle? And the referees counting both men. Seven. <laughs> and and Heyman is standing between them, hugging the championship belts, and <laughs> he's looking from side to side at each man. It's his fat jowls bouncing the breeze, right? And he's just like looking at his eyes are bugged out and he's Looking side to side, standing between both men. Hey! Right? And, yeah. and, and Heyman doesn't know what to do. No. But then Theory's music hits. Yeah. I, if I knew it, I would sing it, but I don't. I, <laughs> I don't know. It's it. just innocuous, random rock song, probably like. We'll go with that. So Theory's music hits, and he comes running out with his briefcase, right? And then Heyman, he puts one hand out and he's saying, no, 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 right, to, to, to Theory. No, 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 as his jowls once again bounce back and forth. No, 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 right. But then Theory hands the the uh, the briefcase to to Mickey J or whoever the referee <laughs> it's is. Not Mickey Iowa. If that's a big story, if it's Mickey J, <laughs> that's a big story for SummerSlam. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, Mickey J uh, is unfortunately, a... he's going to be a tough get. Uh, is he for... dead? Uh, he did die, yes. He, he died. did die? Yes, All he right. died. So. He died in February. Uh, so oh, that's he did. Yes. 
So that's going to be a tough game. But again, if they get Mickey J to referee this match, that, that adds a whole different wrinkle. So Mickey J from WCW in Florida. He's yeah, dead. yeah, yeah. Because you've been watching him. I know you've been watching your PWF uh, Florida That's tapes, why he's Mickey in my J's brain. I've been it. watching Mickey, Florida. Yeah, Mickey J's all over it. But no, he, all right, uh, so yeah. it's not going to be Mickey J, I don't think. So. so he hands it to fucking Charles Robinson or whoever. And he and and, and he's in the match. And then he covers one of them. And he gets the pin. And then Heyman, with his eyes bugged out and his jowls bouncing about, it turns into a smile. And Heyman was behind it all along. And he hightails it out of there with your new, which title is this for? The Undisputed Universal title. Your new Universal Champion Theory. Managed by, well, I'm sorry, represented by. Right, right, right. His clients. His new clients. Yes, uh, Paul Heyman. How plausible is that? Uh, very plausible, aside, and I fucking hate it. Aside from the referee being dead. Yeah, other than, other than the dead referee being resurrected. Yeah. Um, I fucking hate it. It sounds terrible, and it's exactly what they would do. Yeah, it's exactly what they would do. So there you go. I like it. A little fantasy booking oh, from Joe. WWE, WWE fantasy booking. Your two favorite things. Fantasy booking a company where nothing ever makes sense or has any logic or any reasons. So. Heyman's on to the next thing, right? Yeah. And, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and... It's probably time. It's time to kind of move away from him and Roman. It's definitely a long time to move away from him and Brock. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I don't hate it. I mean, I do, but, you know. You don't hate it. I I fucking despise it, but I I get it. Yeah, I get it, I guess, is the way to say it. I don't know. Get it? I I don't know. I I, I get what you're putting down. I don't want to watch it, though. So, how about that? (sighs) Well, that's SummerSlam. Get into that. Perfectly timed to yawn there. Uh, We'll not be doing Instant Reaction Live. I'll be at a minor league baseball game drinking and eating and watching baseball and not watching SummerSlam. Uh, But I will watch it soon. We'll review it next week on the flagship. But uh, other events going on in Nashville this weekend. There is plenty, plenty going on. Joe, I know you're excited for this. Over at VoicesOfWrestling.com slash fight. Black Label Pros, the gang crosses the line Friday at 5 p.m., uh, I don't have the card list, and I'm not going to do that to you, but uh, you love Black Label Pro, so you have an opportunity to watch them in Nashville Friday at 5 p.m. Oh, yeah. Big Black Label Pro fan. I Big, big fan. Love it, yeah. Uh, Crowbar is going to be wrestling. You love Crowbar. What's the, what's the main event of this? Uh, uh, the main event of Black Label Pro, the gang crosses the line, which I obviously know and I'm not looking up right now and then realizing it's going to be a tough thing to look up. Uh, because, uh, okay. So here's the problem with, here's the problem. Black Label does this sometimes where you see the card and you're like, that, that's a good card. That's not bad. Uh, I believe the main event is, well, there's a, but I don't know. I don't know what would be the main event here, but, uh, uh, you got Takeshita versus Nick Wayne. You have James Storm versus Brian Keith. You have a monsters ball match for some reason between Josh Bishop, PCO, Calvin Tankman and Levi Everett. You got Billy Starks versus Steph Delander. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, Jake Something versus Crowbar. Uh, Josh Alexander versus Kevin Blackwood. Sharkboy and Dan the Dad versus Violence is Forever. Uh, Mike Bailey, Crash Jackson, Cole Radrick versus the Bang Bros and Jordan Oliver. Great way to use uh, potential wrestler of the year, Mike Bailey. Uh, and I, had, then, I, had, I had enough of this Cole Radrick, I can tell you that. <laughs> and then Eric Young versus... Uh, so I believe this is a, uh, a mistake uh, from Bodyslam.net. Mm. 
uh, wouldn't be the first one they made. Uh, this it says Bug Devo. I believe that's Big Devo, not Bug Devo. <laughs> but I, I like the idea of him being Bug Devo as well. Maybe but... he's doing an exterminator gimmick. <laughs> right, right. He's doing an ants gimmick. Yeah. He's a... <laughs> he comes to the ring with the fucking gimmick on his back, and he's spraying for fucking fire ants with the. Right, bug yeah. demo. Bug he kind of looks yeah. like an exterminator. He kind of does. I think that's not a bad idea if he wants to to rebrand himself. Uh, I think bug demo is yeah. not a bad move. Yeah, yeah, you know. So maybe that. Maybe you didn't misread that. <laughs> bug um, demo. So there you go. This, uh, all right. This black label pro. Uh, your second favorite promotion coming up Friday at ten thirty p.m. Uh, available at voicesofwrestling.com/slash fight. GCW, the people oh. versus GCW. So. Don't give me the card. Man. I'm not going to give you the card, and we're just going to skip over that one. What's uh, Saturday. The, what's the main event of the game, James? Shouldn't you be able to tell what the main event of these shows are? Uh, like, probably, but... Um, they have a championship match or something? Like what? Uh, GCW world title match, John Moxley versus Blake Christian. All right, that's the main event? Yep. Okay. Psycho Clown right. versus Joey Janela is also on this one. All right. Okay, Whatever. I, if people like it, they like it. <laughs> right. uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling Music City Mayhem. That's on Saturday at 2 p.m. Now, I also cannot tell you what the main event of Music City Mayhem is. Do you know off the top of your head what the main event for Music City Mayhem I is? I do. I don't. I don't know yeah. what the main event is. That doesn't, uh, doesn't bode well for uh No, well, isn't uh, Moxley versus Rocky Romero is on that show? No, and... that is uh, – sorry, this is Moxley and Desperado. That's right. It's Moxley oh, and Desperado. Desperado. Oh, actually, this is kind of cool. Kushida and Alex Shelley is on that one. I forget. Uh, Hiromu versus Blake Christian. Fred Rosser versus Bug Demo for the strong open weight title. See? I told you he's doing the gimmick. MLW, Rocky versus Davey Richards. It actually says Big Demo here, but I'm going to go with the Bug Demo thing. Rocky Romero versus Davey Richards for the MLW. The world of MLW does not stop. It is being defended here, too. So. Oh, yeah. The title he didn't win on TV yet. <laughs> oh, is that true? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. I love it. We're back in 1992. Hell baby. yeah. Well, it's his first defense here. So this will be his first defense of a title he hasn't yeah. actually won yet. So. Maybe he'll lose it before he wins it. Like That's awesome. Yeah, that would be, that would roll. That's the best. But hopefully. Yeah. All right. So that's, shoot on him. that's that. You also have uh, some other local indies running. SUP is running as well as they usually do. Uh, SUP Final Bosses. That'll be Friday on uh, IWTV. IndependentWrestling.tv if you want to watch that. It's one. wrapped up Uncharted Territory Season 4 from the southern states. Um I promised someone I would binge that. I got to watch that soon. That season of Uncharted Territory. Yeah, it seems like it should be. How long was it? Because I feel like you could just sit down for a couple hours and, and not and bang it out. Uh, right? Probably like, I don't know, eight, eight episodes. Okay. I don't, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I, I, I got to do that too. I don't know why I said that because I don't have any clue how many episodes it is. But um, the season just wrapped up. So, um, all right. And then I guess do this flare thing, right? Well, no, 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 Joe. We'll do the flare thing in a moment because that is coming as well. That is on Sunday at 6 p.m. There is a full lineup of StarCast events available at VoicesOfWrestling.com slash fight. And I know you are going to be glued to the television all weekend for this. So on July 29th, tomorrow, 9 p.m. Eastern, the roast of Ric Flair. What would it take for uh... you to sit down? And watch the roast of Ric Flair. What can, what can I do to get you to watch the isn't, roast of Ric Flair? Isn't the roast master Tim Brando for some reason? <laughs> Is it? I don't know. Yeah. Okay. That Tim Brando. That Tim Brando. Well, he wasn't busy? He didn't have anything else going on? Why? I don't he know. He was available? <laughs> Why is Tim Brando? Does he have I, some weird, like, friendship with, like, the, the, the Fox Sports 
Tim Brando, NCAA tournaments, Tim Brando. Maybe Sean McDonough wasn't available. I don't <laughs> right? why I don't know why Tim Brando is the roast master for the uh They're like give us an innocuous sports announcer. <laughs> what about the, Tim Brando? Sure. Yeah. For the Ric Flair roast. I I, I don't know. Alright, cool. Yeah. John Shiambi was booked. <laughs> well, yeah, he's doing Cubs games, he's doing national TV, he's he's busy. Yeah, Boog uh, yeah. Uh, all right, so that is on uh, the 29th. So that's the, all you have to worry about on the 29th is the roast of Ric Flair. But things get hot and heavy. I don't have to heavy. worry about any of this. <laughs> things get hot and heavy, Joe, on July 30th because you have, starting out at 10 a.m. Eastern, bright and early, while you're having your cereal, while you're having your Fruit Loops, Joe, the major figure, major wrestling figure podcast live where were, at StarCast. Where, where was our invite? Uh... Stuck in the Starcast One invite, which is uh, did it, did it go to spam by accident? <laughs> it went to spam. I didn't get it yet, but uh, all right. Yeah. Hey, hey, it's Conrad. I don't think he's uh, saying hey, hey to us anytime soon, uh, no. ever again. All right, eleven uh, forty-five. Insight with Chris Van Vliet featuring Claudio Castagnoli. Chris Van Vliet's one of those frauds who was uh, throwing roses at Vince yeah, McMahon. Yeah, he said this is the interview that we're going to be re- replaying for years yeah. to watch and study Vince McMahon. Yeah, maybe in court. <laughs> maybe, a, maybe a jury will look at it. <laughs> yeah, maybe when it's entered into evidence. <laughs> <Right>? During discovery, <laughs> maybe somebody will yeah. watch it. But otherwise, I don't I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Um, 1.30 p.m. Eastern, the sessions with Renee Paquette. Oh, they're not calling it the oral sessions. No, she changed the name of it. She changed the name of it. It's just the sessions now? Yes. Oh, man. Change the name. Well, The Sessions with Renee Paquette uh, featuring Brian Danielson. Yeah. I think maybe Max Castor shook her when he said that – he told John Moxley that his wife's going to give him an oral session in (laughs) one of his – Raps a few Remember months when people ago. People got so upset about that. Remember when people get upset every single week about Mac, Max Caster lines? Yeah. It's the best. Yeah, they do. Every yeah. week without fail. I love the, the Simone Biles one was the one he got in the most trouble for when it's like, that's just late night fucking talk show fire. Yeah, just like, like the lowest hanging fruit. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, like a Simone Biles joke. Like, <laughs> Every late night host did a Simone Biles right. joke. He, in, in 1996, he'd do a Hugh Grant joke. and everybody, You know what I mean? Like, yeah, the yeah, lowest yeah, exactly. Yeah. fruit about, ah, you're going to pay for sex just like Hugh Grant. Everyone's going to be like, ooh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just like the lowest. Oh, how dare you. The Jay Leno, like a Jay Leno monologue level comedy. Yeah. How dare you disrespect the sex workers? You know, that's what they, that would be <laughs> right, the angle right, on exactly. that one. You know, was that a clap that you were doing? The back? Yeah, you gotta do it when you yeah. when you do a sex worker tweet. You gotta do the claps. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's how they you. tweet them out. Yeah. Uh, that so you got the sessions with Brian Danielson. Uh, three fifteen p.m. Eastern. One last ride for the Horsemen, baby. Oh. I imagine Paul Roma will be there. They're gonna lay out yeah. the red carpet for all the Horsemen. I'm sure. So, a little video tribute to Chris Benoit, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. All the stars. hey, look, look. You got to love him or hate him. Guy had some great wrestling matches. <laughs> listen, listen, Rich. As I've said before, OJ ran for those yards. You know what I'm saying? So. Great totally naked gun. Had... I still laugh at his parts. Norberg, great Garrick Farnham naked gun. So I will never, yeah. uh, never. Uh... You, you love him or hate him. You got to <laughs> hand it to Chris Benoit. You just, you know, <laughs> you got to. Uh, one last ride for the Horsemen. And then 5 p.m. Eastern, 30 years later with Brett, the Hitman Hart, the 1992 SummerSlam celebration. I'll tell you what. We're not doing Montreal screw job. I'll take so, it. I'll take it. Yeah. 
you know. You know, A&E just did a Montreal screw job. I did. My mom was telling me about it. Yeah, she kept asking me a bunch of questions about it. She loves, dude, if, if there's anybody who learns their history from WWE, it's yeah. her. She loves those A&E documentaries. Yeah. She, she couldn't stop talking to me about Kane and the Undertaker and was like, yeah, that's when wrestling was wrestling. Like, she's become a cornet, like, a, a, like not even a cornet bot. I don't even know what the hell she is now. She's pilled completely. Yeah, I mean, she watched AEW this week and was like, I don't know, like, I, you know, and then she was like, but this Kane and Undertaker thing that I watched, like, that was, you know, she loved, loved that. So, yeah, she was asking me a lot of questions about the Montreal screw job. So I had to have a, a car ride where I had to explain the Montreal screw job to, a, to, to somebody, which was not that fun for me. So, yeah, yeah. I, I had my wife watch, um, <laughs> not, you're going to think, but I, I had her watch the, um, the, the Owen Hart dark side of the ring and I had her watch the uh the Benoit dark side of the ring and both of them left her in, in, in shambles Jesus Christ absolute tears <laughs> holy shit she's like why do you watch this stuff I'm like ah you know I don't know I thought you'd enjoy them you know yeah show her the uh, God show her the fucking uh um well, well what should I show her then yeah I mean I figured you know it's all maybe. yeah why do you watch this stuff she's right Right. I do watch this stuff. July thirty first, Joe, day three of Starcast. It's not over yet. You can buy no. the whole package of all these events. By the way, Voices of Wrestling accomplished fight. I don't know what it's going to cost, but I assure you, it will be well worth it. But only well worth it if you purchase it at VoicesOfWrestling.com slash fight. Uh, July thirty first, day three, ten a.m. sharp. Fully is pod. You know, Foley's Pod is the number one wrestling podcast is it really? on Apple charts or whatever the fuck most days. Yeah. Do you know that? Watching an old uh, ECW in the background here, and they're advertising some pizza place, and I'm really hungry for uh, some, some pizza. Which pizza place? Uh, well, I'm sure, let me see if I can pause it. An old ECW. Yeah, it's like a 19... It's a, it's a Jay Soli ECW. It's uh 93. 4, 90... 4-5-1993, yes. Oh, that that was covered on Jovember. Yeah, if you're, yeah. If you're back in April of '93, yeah, for sure. Um, you're talking super su- super summer sizzler spectacular. Yeah, they're uh, in some like doofy high school gym or something. It looks terrible. Uh, uh, let's see here. They're, they're, ooh, they're that might 19- be the Cabrini College tapings that you're watching. Oh, maybe. Yeah, that would make sense. It does kind of look like a college um, gym or something like that. Yeah, Terry Funk just came out in like a dad sweater. Like rolled him up and be like, I'll be there. Is he wrestling the Wolfman? Uh, he hasn't wrestled yet. He hasn't wrestled yet. He was just cutting a pro. I'll be there and I'll win that title. <laughs> yeah. Pretty good. But yeah, yeah, they just advertised the 1993 Ford Ranger too. I'll tell you, this looks like a hell of a vehicle. All right. Uh, I couldn't get the name of the, um, could not get the, the name of the pizza place. It was really hard to read the graphic and I can't see it. So it's all You know what annoys me about the Apple charts? I'm going to tell you what annoys me about the Apple charts. I proposed that charts. and, and, uh, you know, the day of our release, of course, to see where we peak. But the problem is because we split the feed, right? We do the flagship right, feed. Right, right, right. And then we do the flagship as part of the Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network feed, right? We don't get a true placement. And then there'll be some, like, you know, because we'll usually we're, we peak at, like, 30 or something like that or 40 somewhere in that neighborhood. The flagship feed, right? But – then there'll be like some jabroni podcasts like directly ahead of us, and I'm like, I know we have more yeah. downloads. Oh yeah, than yeah. Them yeah, for sure. From the from the podcast from the podcast network feed, but it annoys me because I think about if these dopey hosts are looking at this, they think they're doing more downloads than us, but they're not, and it annoys me. But I, you know, does that bother you or no? Because it bothers me. My um, ego. Yeah, it, it it does bother me a little bit, but you know what? The, the thing that we do is everybody listen to this. Just subscribe to both. And download both every single week, and then we'll be fine. How about that? If you're listening to this right now, you can subscribe to the Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network feed. 
then subscribe to the flagship feed. If you're subscribed just to the flagship feed, you know what you should do? You should subscribe to the Voice Wrestling Podcast Network feed. Because you're gonna not only are you gonna get our show, you're gonna get a lot of other great shows as well, which we're gonna plug a little bit later. But uh, you should just do that. Why don't you do that? Follow both of them, download both of them, uh, so we can beat these dopey dumb podcasts on the Apple rankings. No, I, I don't care more. as much, but now I do care and I want all of you to do uh, what I just told you to do. And because and, 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 I'm I'm thinking I'm like we'd probably be peaking in the top we'd peak in like the top twenty if it yeah, was all oh, for sure for sure. See the we do slightly more downloads in the network feed, usually, right? There's only one show on our network that does more downloads on their individual feed than they do on the network feed. And that's Correct. the Super Jcast. Right. That's the Super Jcast. That they have they do slightly more downloads on their individual feed than they do on the Voice Wrestling Network podcast feed. For whatever reason, you know, just a separate fan base, just people that want to hear about New Japan, whatever the reason, they built an audience, they've done a nice job, whatever the case may be. Um, but we get more downloads on the podcast network feed. But our show will peak ahead of the podcast network. The flagship, the flagship feed will peak higher than the podcast network feed on the day after our release. Right? But then we won't. But we're artificially low, and it bothers me when I see the, the first few shows ahead of us. I'm like, "Fuck them! We're beating them!" But they don't know we're beating them. Right? They and don't. That drives me nuts. They think they're beating us, and they're not. Like, so, there's yeah. a very prominent podcast network that puts all of their shows on the same feed. They don't have them broken out into individual feeds at all, right? And they're always like one or two spots ahead of us. And I'm like, we're fucking crushing them. Yeah, we and, them. and we're and we're crushing like their primary show with the two hosts that I will not name. Because you'll get mad. I would love to fucking do it, but I know you get. You'll start tugging your <laughs> collar yeah, over there. I know what you're gonna, just get out. You'll start here. tugging your collar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're yeah. beating that ass, and it it sucks because they think they're beating this ass, and I know that they're looking. At least one of them is, and I know they're looking at that. So it bothers me because what they don't know is we're whooping that ass, Rich. But anyway, Folia's pod is usually number one. There you go. So you know what? You, yeah, again, subscribe to both Voice Wrestling Podcast Network and the flagship feed. I mean, mostly you're going to get a lot of other great podcasts on the on the Voice Wrestling Podcast Network feed as well. Open the Voice Gate. Great shows this week. We'll plug them a little bit later. Music of the Mat had a great episode this week about Ozzy Osbourne with Chris Novembrino, who hosts Shake Them Ropes, which is also on the Voice Wrestling Podcast Network feed. Eurograps Express, that is on the Voice Wrestling Podcast Network feed. Neil David doing an incredible job going solo Every single time with a bunch of different European stuff. He's watching Rev Pro. He's going to live shows. He's doing all that sort of stuff. Great, great stuff. They're Jumping Bomb Audio, best Joshi podcast on the, the, the internet. Nothing's even close to as good as Jump on Audio. Trust me, I've heard some of the other ones. They're not even close. Jump on Audio. Emerald Flow Show covering no one, all Japan for wrestling. Come on. You've got to be kidding me. Great. you got to be kidding that everyone's not listening. you got to be kidding me. Great retrospective on TNA. You're going to forget one and they're going to be mad. No, I've I'm, I'm got them all, baby. i got them in my head, baby. Days of Thunder. I don't forget about Days of Thunder. Reviewing old WCW, reviewing old Thunder. It's not got them all, man. Five star match games sometimes. Did you do voice gate? I don't think you did voice gate. I did at the beginning I did voice gate. I said tremendous episode for them this week. They're gonna get a lot. Trust That's... me. They're gonna do okay. They're gonna do okay in the voice plug department gate, they, later. They've been a real comer lately. They've been doing more downloads than they have, you. yeah. You know Dragon that? Gate's getting a little messy, a little yeah. drama. They had some stuff this week. They they covered it both. They covered two episodes this week. Yeah, yeah. So, um, subscribe them all so we uh, we can beat the dopes that uh, Joe wants to bury on the air, but I won't let him. So, all right, fully is pod ten a.m. We're gonna get through this real quick because now we got to get to the other stuff. Um, 
Soraya turning the page. Get it, Joe? Do you get it? Ah, it's tremendous. Turning tremendous. the page. She used to be Paige. Yeah, clever from play WWE. On she was Paige from WWE. The, you know, the wrestler Paige? You know, there was a... This uh, is Soraya Knight, who used to be Paige. Now she's not Paige anymore. Though. That's right. So she's there was turning an indie, the page. There was an indie wrestler in Texas called Paige Turner, and she was a <laughs> librarian. That's a great... That's a great gimmick. Still to this day, that's a great gimmick. I don't... Um, she wasn't a great wrestler, though, right? She was a horrendous wrestler. Okay, but I love the gimmick, though. I love the gimmick. Paige Turner. That's a great Paige gimmick. Paige Turner, she was a wrestling librarian, and, and she feuded with Miss Dyslexia. Oh, boy. Well, <laughs> natural feud, I guess, well, the wokes aren't gonna like that one. Rich. <laughs> They're not gonna like that one. Yeah, uh, you know, I didn't oh, listen. Boy. I didn't book it. Yeah, you didn't. Not your fault. Yeah, no, somebody who might. Um, anyway, but no, the page turner is a great. That's a great like 1991 like indie like shit indie gimmick. Yeah, at like your local high school, which is like. Boo! Books suck. <laughs> you like you children need to read your books. And then, boo! <laughs> Be quiet. Boo! Like yeah. it's great. It's great stuff. Yeah. On a it. show headlined by T. Ranchula versus Curly Mo. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. That's great yeah. stuff. That's just great stuff. Um, I know you're gonna be excited for this one. One thirty-five. Click this with Kevin Nash. Big sexy. I know you're excited to hear what Big Sexy Kevin Nash has to say about the click. Mm. <laughs> In the year of our Lord, 2022. I give a shit what fucking Kevin Nash has to say about the fucking click. Jesus Christ. Uh, 3.15 p.m. What's next with Johnny Gargano? Uh, the E is lowercase and the X is capitalized, Joe. That's and... got to be so fucking boring. Does he just talk about like his dopey newborn kid and like going to Disney and playing video games and shit? Like. Is he that what it is? Marvel movies. Yeah, the MCU. They're going to have 20 new MCU movies next year. Uh, <laughs> like, God. What's your favorite MCU character? Oh, there's, there's several to consider. Yeah. <laughs> Breaking down the history of, like, Hawkeye or some shit. <laughs> right. right? Like, ugh. Just imagine how bad that is. God. All right. And then another uh, show that I'm sure you're excited for. 5 p.m. Eastern, The Extreme Life with Matt Hardy. Is that with that Alba? Can't yep. stand that Alba. Yeah, yeah. All right, Sunday at 6 p.m., though, this is when the real action starts here. VoiceOfWrestling.com slash fight if you're going to order this. Ric Flair's last match. And, Joe, I don't want to be excited about the show. I don't want to. But before the show started, I binged watch every episode of the Ric Flair's last match, like promo videos. We talked a little yeah. bit about them last week, uh, the one where he got attacked. Did you watch the one this week? I didn't. You got to tell me all They're about fucking it. fucking great. They're so good. I'm so excited about this show now. It's so great. So it's Jeff Jarrett, like it's just a, it's a, it's an interview with Jeff Jarrett, and he is just fucking railing on Ric Flair. He's unappreciative. He doesn't care. This is my town. He's gonna come to Nashville and tell me how to draw money. Like I don't know how to draw money in Nashville. It's old school territory shit. And then they do a contract signing, and Karen's screeching about stuff. Ric Flair is making offhanded remarks to Karen, you know, in very Ric Flair ways. It's pissing yeah. Jared off. It's exactly what you would assume. Ric Flair is like, wow, well, I'll take you after the show if you want. <laughs> you know, just like classic. Yeah. Like, Rick, like, you're like, ah, oh, you can't do that anymore, Rick. But you're like, ah, oh, you know what? You can. He's Nobody's going to care if Ric Flair does this shit anymore. He's done it all. And there's the people still, they declared Ric Flair Day in, in Nashville or whatever. Then there's like a, 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 a clip from a Conrad podcast where he's like, Jeff, do you understand what you just did? And just like, I don't care what I did. It's just like, you know, they're trying to make it. Oh, wait it. a minute. Yeah, Conrad they're trying to integrate. Yeah, they're trying to integrate the podcast stuff into it, which does suck. Oh, I agree. Come that part on. does suck. Yeah. 
come on, you can't do that. Because <laughs> right? I'm sure Conrad's like, oh, chat me up about uh, Unforgiven 1999 while you're there. And then he, and then they turn into like, you know, what did you attack Ric Flair for? And he's like, I don't owe you an explanation. That part kind of sucked. But everything could else was great. Imagine if, could you imagine if we were shooting wrestling angles on this show? Our fans the would have us for lunch. They'd have us for lunch <laughs> if we did that. worst, yeah. Ugh. Yeah, if like Biss came on here and he's trying to cut a promo for you to show up and inspire or whatever. Yeah. He's like, yeah. Joe, you're yellow. I don't think you have the balls to show up and inspire. <laughs> like, you're yellow. What is he? A, what is he? A, a cowboy from the 1880s? He's from like, Texas, right? What do you think? People still talk like that? Yes. <laughs> uh, some people do, actually. I was going to say. Entirely probably... wrong. You know, <laughs> you're yellow. You probably, you've said I think you have in-laws that are kind of. Not that far away from there, right? No, they're not like uh, cowboyish. They're just like <laughs> they just like you know, the cowboys. They just love the cowboys. Yeah, they like the doubt. Yeah, but they're not like howdy partner. Like, <laughs> no, you're, you, know, uh, you like, ain't yellow, are you? <laughs> right. It's not like that. Is that I John mean, Wayne. Just, you, know, you know, you're not uh, your uncle. You're, you're married into uncle isn't John Wayne, I guess. So nah, they're just a little Texan, but they're not like <laughs> you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, they're not like you know. They're not going to the saloon, you know. They're not like <laughs> rear, you know. Rear, rear, rear the door of the saloon, yeah, yeah, like the two hinged doors <laughs> and the, the 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 dust, like the fucking tumbleweed going down the fucking the street. Spurs, the spurs hitting the ground. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> fucking horses parked outside. Like it's not like that. Uh, I tell you what, though, my brother-in-law makes a fucking awesome brisket. See? I will give him that. There you that go. Is- that, that's God. been passed down though that's that's still alive so i don't even like brisket but when he makes it it oof, let me tell you yeah i don't like I ribs but there's a certain uh, i have a, a a buddy and his uh and he uh he married this girl from texas she's from texas a&m and she loves texas yeah. a&m joe you know how texas a&m people are oh i'm she's intimately a, familiar a perfectly yes. normal human being until you talk about texas a&m and then it snaps like a second uh but uh her uh you know he, he was making ribs and and i was like this guy, yeah. so i was like I, I don't really like ribs but I'll, I'll try them like ribs are fine you know what i mean ribs are sometimes replacement level if people don't know how to do them and most people don't know how to make them so not that good his ribs are fucking fantastic yeah and he's like a texas cowboy like he is legitimately like he owns horses and shit he made oh. fucking incredible ribs yeah howdy partner yeah he used to show horses and do dances and they, they did the dancing horses, you know. Have you ever seen the dancing horses? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. um, you know, I was I was banging some girl who was uh years ago who she was she would she was raising she would raise pigs and like show pigs. And she, she was raising a pig and she she named the pig and she that was showing awesome. Me, yeah, she was showing me pictures of the pig that she was raising and she had little ribbons in its hair and she would bring the the, the pig to shows and she would nurture the pig and. Um, and, and, uh, and then she's like, yeah, that, you know, and she was like, oh yeah, she was, she was my favorite one. And I was like, well, what happened? She goes, oh, I sold her to slaughter. <laughs> yeah, oh dear God. <laughs> and I was like, why couldn't do that? I could, I would just have pigs, you know, like, cause I've always thought about like, if I did own a farm, I would, ne- I would just have all these animals. Like I would just, my entire farm would just fill with animals cause I would never kill them. Like I mean, she too. was all reminiscent. I thought, right, yeah, oh, here's pictures like- of my pig. And then, yeah, I, I sold it and it got eaten by a bunch of dorks on a burger. It had a you know, name people... and everything, and I, <laughs> right. I thought maybe it passed away or got sick or something. And then she was just, oh, no, you know, I sold it to slaughter. I'm like, how could you do that? I'm like, <laughs> right. I was mortified. <laughs> right. I was I was mortified. I was like, you you did what? 
She's like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. You take them to shows, and then uh, they they come down and they set, and then they make you an offer, and you could sell it to slaughter. I'm like, that's crazy. You raised yeah. it as a piglet. You you raised it from piglet. You right, showed and me you all love these- it, and you you built an attachment to it too. Yeah, you gave it a name. You showed me all these pictures. You, you it was like a pet to you, and then you just sold it to slaughter. Like, you, like what, what's going on here? Like I couldn't look at her the same way anymore. That was it. No yeah. more banging her. No, it's over. I said, that's sick. That's sick behavior. It's like raising a fucking puppy and then just one day saying, eh, you know, I just uh, sell it to this guy down the street who wants to kill it. Like, how can you do that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, get out of here. And it doesn't, I, was, I, was, I was mortified by that. Yeah, it was, uh, no, that was a, quite the introduction to Texas, I got to tell you. But um, what but the fuck are we even talking about? We're talking about Ric Flair's last match, which, uh, you know. Well, setting a, a pig to slaughter. It's kind of similar yeah. to what might happen uh, here. Uh, he had, he did bleed like a stuffed pig. I'll tell you that uh, on, on the, uh, the the beatdown. But yeah, they did really good promos. Jarrett cut good promos. They did the uh, the tape. They did like a contract signing, and they're at each other's throats. And you know, Jarrett and Lethal are like, oh, you know, to Andrade, they're like, oh, you're just here because you married his daughter or whatever. Uh, and Andrade's just like, I mean, he's not disputing it. He's you know, he's but he's you know, it, it, it's. Uh, it, it's good stuff. Definitely watch these promos if you haven't seen them. They did a really good job with them. It's just old school classic shit. Everyone's taking it way too seriously, and I love that. I just love that. It's like Jay Lethal's pissed off because Ric Flair said, uh, maybe I'll put you in the opener or whatever, so he's pissed. Jared tried to help Ric Flair up. J- Rick didn't want the help, so Jared's like, oh, fuck you then. Yeah, I never really liked you anyway, so he beats his ass up. Karen's in there screeching at everybody. It's it's fantastic, so uh, I, I am now, unfortunately, completely excited for this entire show and this uh, this match. So, I If know. I gave you Ric Flair dies in the match plus 800, would you take it? Yeah. Or would, would you have to have higher odds? What would you say? Mm, plus 800. <sighs> I'd probably take that. <laughs> what if I gave you? When I sent, did you see the thing where, where he did an interview with somebody? And they said, uh, Rick, uh, so you're on Blood Thinners and you have a pacemaker. How are you going to wrestle? And he said, well, I'll just turn off the pacemaker and I just won't take my Blood Thinners that day. Right. So I sent that to the nurse who, who, by the way, deals with people that have pacemakers. That's what she does every single day and deals with people on Blood Thinners. And she just said, OMG. That's not how it works. <laughs> I yeah. just didn't want to yeah. talk. <laughs> and just said... <laughs> So when well, I mentioned Chris- that that's happening this Sunday, she goes, he knows that's not how, or you can't just turn off the pacemaker and then turn it back on, right? And I said, no, it's Ric Flair. He doesn't know that you can't do that. So. Well, presumably he's training every day, right? Yeah, like yeah. I don't know. I, I Who knows what's going to happen here on Sunday, but... Um... Where would I have to set the odds for you to take it for they have to stop the match because Ric Flair's life is in danger? Like... Plus five hundred. Yeah, it wouldn't. It would need. It wouldn't need much. I feel like there's a real because he's gonna bleed, and if he's on a lot of blood thinners, which he probably has to be, he's gonna bleed a lot. I mean, shit! Look how much he bled in the fucking attack backstage. Like he might. Yeah, I. I don't know. I don't think you need very many odds for them to be like, okay, he's bleeding way too much. We have to stop this thing. You know, he says he's turned down offers for twenty thousand dollars to wrestle other matches. So, what are the odds this is his last match? zero i would say i mean really probably you zero think he wrestles again? yeah i think he wrestles again i n- maybe not zero but 
Maybe they shoot an angle right after this match for his next bout. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Yeah, it, low, you, low, low, low. Not not zero, but very, very low. This is his last match. But it's billed as his last match. Oh, that be I know. Dirty business. Yeah, yeah. oh, <laughs> dirty business from Conrad the Mortgage Guy. <laughs> that would be. <laughs> All right. It's a good card, though. No, it's a great show. Yeah, it, it's it's got my. I mean, I, it's got my interest, and in it. I'm probably going to end up buying it too because it does look pretty damn good. Uh, so yeah. I got to give it up to Conrad and Jim Crockett and whoever's. Uh, in charge. Well, not that Jim Crockett. Jim Crockett Promotions, because again, that would be another big thing too if if Jim Crockett's booking this thing. Um, I don't know. It's a weird, yeah, because it's like I don't know who exactly. I don't know who's all putting it together and who whatnot and what kind of went through with, with it. But every company kind of gave something to this. You know what I mean? And that's that's kind of cool. Like Impact's got representation here. Ring of Honor's got representation here. WWE by with Jeff Jarrett's got representation here. New Japan's here. Like it. It's kind of a cool card. Uh, in, Just, in that sense. I mean. Just look at the opener, Jim Crockett Promotions. We got Nelson Royal versus Thunderfoot One. So taking it back. Start here. Yeah. No, it's uh, a really it's like initially I was like, oh my God, this show is so stupid. I can't believe they're doing this thing. I'm not gonna watch it. I don't want to care about it. I don't want to talk about it. And then when, you know, the main event got announced, it was like, ah, okay, whatever. But the rest of the show is good. And now I wanted to say, like, oh, you know what? The rest of the show is good, but I don't care about the main event. But now, unfortunately, I care about every single part of this show now. Because it looks good as hell. So let me uh, let me run down the card here. That's what we have right now as of this recording. I know they're still adding uh, some some people to the, the Bunkhouse Battle Royal, I believe. So this is probably not it. But uh, Impact World Title Match, Josh Alexander defending his title against Jacob Fatu. Uh, you got Brian Pillman Jr., and Brock Anderson, representing the quote-unquote horseman, versus Kerry Morton and Ricky Morton, quote-unquote, the Rock and Roll Express. But Robert Gibson's going to be there, and Arn Anderson are going to be there. So that kind of ties into the history there, so that's cool. Yeah. Uh, the Briscoes versus the Von Erichs, Marshall and Ross. I, I don't, you know, I don't think the Von Erichs can hang with them. No, I, that's going to be tough. They're going to have to really... I mean. The Von Erichs aren't very good, and MLW never books them in a straight tag match because they don't have confidence they can work one. It's always like a Texas Tornado or Falls Count Anywhere. Mm-hmm. They never like right, I've they never draw, seen... they draw, but they don't, they can't really work. I haven't seen them have like a tag match where it's like you're tagging a guy in since like Noah in 2016 or whatever. So that's going to be an interesting match. Yeah, it could be it could be a little tough for them, but uh, still kind of interesting to see uh, that that match there. Uh Laredo Kid, Toros, Ray Phoenix and Bandito. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff nuts. on this show. Yeah, show rocks. This is a great show. Uh this is an interesting one. I wonder what's going to happen here. Jonathan Gresham is listed still on the show. We'll talk about him uh here in a bit. Uh Kenosuke uh, Takeshita, Allen Angels and Nick Wayne. Four-way match there. Is Gresham going to show up? I thought he was done. Is he going to finish up his bookings or is he fake retired or what's going on there with with old Gresh I don't know we'll, we'll see but uh bunkhouse battle royal bully ray ugh. crowbar wolfie d james storms sin Bodie, brian myers bug demo ricky shane page gringo loco crimson commander adam priest and cal hero yes <laughs> Those are names that will be in the Bunkhouse Battle Royal. Impact Knockouts title match. Of course, it can't be an Impact uh, 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 representation without it somehow, somehow, some way being a multi-person match. So the Impact, Impact Knockouts title is going to be Jordan Grace defending the title against Deanna Perrazzo and Rachel Ellering as well. Mm-hmm. Harry Smith, FKA Davy Boy Smith Jr. versus Killer Cross. No interest in that one. Mm, zero. 
I uh, do have interest in this one. The Motor City Machine Guns versus Davy Richards and Eddie Edwards, baby. Let's fucking go. Yeah. Hell yeah. And then uh, Ren Narita and Yuya Uemura uh, is the New Japan representation for the show. And then the main event, Jay Lethal and Jeff, uh, Jeff Jarrett versus Andrade and Rick Flair. Yeah, I mean, they loaded up the show, and they, they really, really did. didn't have to do that. They could have just done the Dopey Flair match. I mean, so... I don't know. Now we have to pay attention to it, basically. Yeah, we got to watch it. We got to review it. <laughs> and I, I mean, I don't, I don't hate that I'm going to have to watch it, and I don't hate that I'm going to have to review it. The production value so far, everything I've seen has been pretty good. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's what's going to happen in that. I mean, I don't believe that it is actually Ric Flair's last match. Uh, I don't think. I mean, maybe given his age, maybe. But I feel like those paydays are going to be too hard to pass up to do something at some point later down the line. But yeah, we'll see. I don't know. Maybe he sticks with it, Joe. I don't uh, don't think I would bet on that. But, uh, yeah, Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett versus Andrade and Ric Flair uh, as your main event. Presumably Ric Flair's final match ever. But uh, they've been cool about like – I said the promos have been really good. The video production has been really good. So I'm sure you'll get a lot of uh, um, you know looks at, uh, at, at classic matches and, and stuff from Jim Crocker Promotions. And, and they're, they're calling it – does this bother you that they're calling this the lineage of uh, Jim Crocker Promotions? Yeah, that's a bunch of horse shit. Yeah, that's – So they're technically saying that, like, you know, the last Jim Crocker Promotions – show was what like 1989 right it would have been i forget exactly I 88 or 89 or whatever whatever they the um you know final show was here let me i had it on cage match earlier let me see if i can uh get it up again because it kind of bothers me too because yeah so they show uh 11 one at 1988 in savannah georgia the final nwa jim cracker promotions show and now we skip ahead to 2022 jim cracker promotions rick flair's last match bothers me for some reason. It probably shouldn't. Yeah, it bothers me too. Okay. bothers me yeah. too. So, so I, I see where you're coming from. Yeah. It does bother me too. For no reason. I shouldn't get bothered by it, but it just kind of does for some reason. All right. Uh, so that is Ric Flair's last match. Again, that is on uh, voiceofwrestling.com slash fight. I use that uh, link if you're going to order the show uh, this weekend, Sunday at 6 p.m. All the other stuff is on StarCast, uh, voiceofwrestling.com slash fight as well. All right. So we uh, got about a half an hour here, so let's knock out some stuff real quick. Uh, ROH Death Before Dishonor. We don't have to get into a ton of details because you already reviewed this show. Uh, you talked about it behind the paywall at flagshippatreon.com. You did an instant reaction uh, of that show. Uh, I did watch it uh, over the course of this week, and I thought it was a really, really good show. Uh, I loved it. Uh, I thought just about everything was pretty good in my mind, even the uh, women's match, which I know a lot of people did not like. Uh, I kind of liked it, maybe a little too long. Uh, Mercedes and Serena D, but I thought it was pretty solid. Uh, and then, yeah, I think all the other big stuff, the ROH World Title match, Claudio you know, beating Gresham in 11 minutes, I thought that was kind of cool to establish uh, Claudio as the next guy, and, and it was kind of nice and clean and tidy, and Claudio just won, and Gresh just kind of rolled out of the ring, and it was over, and I kind of liked that. Uh, a new, you know, beginning for this new Ring of Honor. Uh, we'll talk about the Gresham stuff here in a sec. Uh, Wheeler Yuta and Daniel Garcia, I love that match. I thought that was tremendous. Daniel Garcia's had a great week because he followed it up with, uh, you know, one of my favorite TV matches in a very, very long time against Brian Danielson. Uh, and then the main event, I thought FTR and the Briscoes, two out of three falls, was really good. I was expecting them to go 60. Uh, they didn't go 60. They went 43 minutes. Uh, I thought it flew by. I still, and I, I did not listen to your review yet, so I can't, uh, I don't know what you think about this, but I thought the FTR Briscoes match from uh, uh, Supercard of Honor was a little bit better than this one, even though I, I did really like this match. I just thought that one was a little bit better. That's where I stand to. Yeah. And this one is really good. This is like four and a half stars. Go out of your way to watch it. 
you know, one of the better yeah. tag, one of the best tag matches you'll watch all year, but oh yeah, yeah. not the best tag match you'll watch all year because that's still the Supercard of Honor show, which was or the match, which was just fucking spectacular. But this very well may have been the second best tag team match of the year. I yeah, mean, it oh was, yeah, yeah, right there for sure. You know, really, really great match for sure. Yeah, I have the whole, I have an instant reaction up on the five dollar tier to get my full review, but um, you know, Rich wanted to give some of his takes on the show, so uh, so there you go. Now the Gresham stuff. Did you see the? Uh, Mike Johnson report on this. There was a I, report earlier in the week by Sean Ross Sapp, which I thought was a little one-sided. It was, it was a little one-sided. Well, I didn't think it was a great report. It just was poorly written, hard to understand. But Mike Johnson put a report out uh, with a lot of the same details, but with some additional stuff too. So this is the bit that I thought was interesting because I think most people understand by this point in time, uh, or, or I've heard the story by this point in time, uh, Gresham wasn't happy with, uh, you know, the way he was going to be booked on the show, got into a shouting match with Khan, allegedly cursed him out, um, went out there, did the job, but wasn't happy about it, stormed out of the building, deleted his Twitter, and is now saying he, uh, you know, may not continue wrestling. So I don't buy that for a second, but we'll see. Uh, this is why you brought that up during the flare match. But listen to this bit from the Mike Johnson report. One version of the story making the rounds is that Gresham cursed out Khan. Another story talents are sharing includes that Gresham used his ranking in the Pro Wrestling Illustrated magazine <laughs> PWI 500 list as an argument as to why he should be presented better. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. If you bring up your PWI ranking, you're out of here no matter what. Ay, ay, ay. What are we doing? You're out of here. Even if, if if John Moxley brought up his PWI, which he never would, I, I'd say he's out. Like, no, you're done. If you if you cite your PWI ranking, you're done. Not unprecedented, by the way. No, not unprecedented, but you're still done. So you can't I mean, do. You can't do. Telling, you look, can't people do are telling Mike Johnson that. I have no reason not to believe Mike Johnson that people are telling him that. Uh, could that be a telephone game thing that didn't really happen? I don't know. But people are telling Mike Johnson that Gresham used his PWI 500 <sighs> ranking as an argument I as to why he should true. be presented. Now, see, the SAP report, you know, someone told SAP, probably from the Gresham side, that he wasn't happy with the heel turn and all that. Johnson doesn't say anything about that. The thing about that is I don't buy it. I don't buy it because he turned heel like two weeks earlier in the match with Moriarty, the tag match where he wouldn't tag in. Mm-hmm. And he had a match. He worked a match against Moriarty as a heel. He cut a whole ass promo with Tully on that rampage, right? They appeared like he's been appearing with, Tully. he's been a heel. He was a heel for like two weeks into the lead up of this match. If he was that hot about being turned heel, he would have had his blow up a much sooner, Right. Like, it doesn't make sense that he was that upset about the heel turn because he was already working on TV as a heel. So I'm skeptical of that. I haven't talked to anybody. I tried to reach out to some people, and they all no-sold me. So at least I tried. But I think this guy is upset because he got to the building, found out he was losing the title, found out he was losing the title in 11 minutes, and found out they were opening the show which anybody with a brain knew that FTR and the Briscoes were main event in the show. I mean, you had to know that coming in. Okay. But I think that's why he was upset. Okay. I don't, and I think the heel turn stuff is just, man, if he walked in that building and they said, Oh, you're, you're, you know, and he looked on the fucking, however they do it there, chalkboard, fucking dry erase, 
whatever. And it said Gresham up 16 minutes. He wouldn't have quit. Heel or not, heel turn or no heel turn. I don't buy it for a second. I think he walked out and quit because he lost. And especially after hearing this Pro Wrestling Illustrated stuff, which is just a real bad look if that's true. So yeah, I don't uh, know. I, yeah, it's 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 a weird thing, but yeah, it doesn't seem either report. It doesn't. I I I kind of can't imagine why you would like if you're AEW Ring of Honor, if you're Tony Khan or whatever. You know, both reports kind of just they paint the same sort of picture though that Gresham was just upset and yeah. and like either way, it's like, dude, I don't know what you want from me, man. Like I I, I don't know. You know, like that's kind of what I would take. I would just be like, all right, well then, just you go then. I don't, you know. Hey, You're look, the really blow up the trouble happened. then. That's clear that the blow up happened. Right, right, right. And, and yeah, you know, neither neither report disputes that. Both say that the blow up happened. Right, and they both say that he asked for his release. So I believe that that happened as yeah, well. Yeah. Oh, sure, sure. Um, you know, they're just getting their stories from different sources, so some of the other stuff is, differs a little bit. But um, you know, I wasn't in the room. I don't know what he said specifically to Khan. If it was beyond the pale, and the guy can never work for you again fuck it just release them right but you know maybe it's just the guy was frustrated and 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 you know maybe Khan is taking the tact of i'm just gonna wait it out see if he cools off and then we'll go right 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 yeah because it seems like they just said they're not going to use him for the foreseeable future but we don't know that he's like released or whatever right like i don't think there's no confirmation that he's actually been released right right and you know it was weird in the post in the in the in the scrum after the show where um Somebody asked Castagnoli about Gresham, a setup question to praise him. One of those questions that's like, yeah, what was it like to work with Jonathan Gresham? And what kind of champion do you think he was for Ring? Basically, it was, uh, hey, Claudio, praise Jonathan Gresham. Yeah, say some good things about Jonathan Gresham for five minutes. So I hate those questions, but that's what it was. And his answer, I don't know if you saw it, Rich, it was awkward as fuck. Like he, he froze for a second. He thought about it. And then he was like, I think Jonathan Gresham did a great job when there was a lot of uncertainty in the company and he was a fine champion. And like, that was the end of it. Hmm. You know what I mean? It was yeah. real fucking weird. And um, yeah, so so I don't know. Uh, we'll have to see what comes of it. But that PWI 500 deal, that is not a good look at all. I mean, that's that's kind of embarrassing. You got to feel embarrassed for the guy if he's uh, if he's really – if he's walking in there with his with a fresh copy of the five hundred, <laughs> like pulling it out, I'm pointing at his name, you know, <laughs> you know, like that's come on, man. Yeah, but uh, I hope that's not true. It better not be. But um, I don't know. If I had to bet, I'd say you're not going to see him again. So, uh, so there's I that. Uh, I don't know. Do I have any? I don't know if I have anything else about uh, Death Before Dishonor. I thought it was a really really good show. Uh, if that's the future of Ring of Honor, then I'm all in. Uh, I thought it was no bullshit. Pretty cool. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I thought it was a really really good show. The production looked good. Uh, I thought the announcement hey, was fantastic. Boy, hey, listen, your boy Prince Nana's back. You I love see- it. I know. I fucking love Prince Nana. Tully's out. Nana's in. Good. Empty. Right, and I see I'm doing the thing. I, I, I I'm doing it too with you. I'm doing it right over here. my head. The, yeah. the, the fucking. To this day, when I'm watching football, when there's a safety, I yell embassy. Yeah. I do. <laughs> I still do that. I still have my Rich the Bitch uh, uh, signed Rich the Prince Nana 8x10 somewhere I talked about that on the instant reaction. Rich the Bitch. <laughs> yeah. No, listen. I love the – listen. I liked the whole – I like Tully Blanchard. I like Tully Blanchard Enterprises. But I love the embassy because that's like ROH history right mm-hmm. there. 
And I Prince Nana fucking rules. He's the best. He's so good. He's so good. And those guys fit better as as the embassy, I think. I think that's, you know, a, just better for that group of guys to be in the embassy as opposed to the Tully Blanchard Enterprises. It's just a better fit. So, looks like Tully just said, just no-showed. Yeah. And um, we saw a quote that we can't repeat, um, but it looks like he just no-showed and it's just, you know, they're not going to badmouth him publicly. It doesn't look like, but I know for a fact he's getting bad mouth behind the scenes. So um, that's probably the end of Tully. But I, I would say, yeah, I'd say we're too we're much respect here. for him to, to to bad mouth him publicly is what right, it is. Right. But uh, yeah, I think he's so, done here. I think he's done here. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, I'm all look, big opportunity for Nana, right? Absolutely. Back from the, uh, uh, yeah, I don't even know what Prince Nana was doing. He I think he DM'd me one time about some pyramid scheme or something. No, no, that no, may no. have been a bot. I don't know if it was actually him, but uh, yeah, that's I don't know what he was doing. But uh, he's back. No, now. it was that was Julius Smokes, wasn't it? No, I I I I, I I'm, that was, was a different DM. I was friends with Prince Nana on on Facebook, but I, I suspect Facebook. it was not actually Prince Nana. Because I remember uh, there was I a lot of like, "Hello, own. friend, I have an opportunity for you," and I was like, "All right, I don't think this is Prince." Nana I thought you had your ROH managers from two. No, no, no. Julius Smokes up. did also. No, he watched on. He just wanted us to promote a show. I think, right? No. Okay, so here's what happened. I think you accidentally responded to one of his tweets from like six months earlier, like just to be friendly, and then he slipped into the DMs to try to get us to sell his T-shirts or something. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. He's like, he's like, hey, you guys want to collab? And we're like, oh no, now Julius Smokes. <laughs> yeah, <uh-oh>. like, <laughs> now we're now we have to blow with... off. Now we have to blow off Julius Smokes because we do not want to collab. Um, yeah. So yeah, but uh, Embassy. Who's going to be is. the crown? They're going to do a crown jewel. I, they better do a Brian fucking Cage? crown jewel again. Yeah, damn right they should right? do a crown jewel. Love the embassy. All right, so that is Ring of Honor Death Before Dishonor. Should they bring back a valet to use as a step stool? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe leave that one on the uh, on the. Uh... Listen, I demand authenticity in my. Uh... You know, she married Josh Alexander. That's like that's her. yeah, yeah, yeah. Jay Chung or whatever. I yeah, had that... no idea it's yeah. the same person. I was crazy. Um. Yes, that was Death Before Dishonor. Let's blow off the G1 talk. Let's do... Uh... There it is, yeah. Screw the G1. Yeah, you know what? If you want G1 talk, you got to watch this shit every single day. You're reviewing it every single week, so... Uh, $5, please. $5, please. G1 that Climax. That was, that was my gimmick first. But... Yeah. All right. <laughs> it was. Uh, um... G1 Climax 32. <laughs> uh, daily audio from Joe. Uh, they're catching you all up every single day about the G1 Climax. So we'll skip that. And go right to Dragon Gate. And I do want to mention that uh, Open the Voice Gate, tremendous job this week covering all the world of Dragon Gate. Earlier in the week, they did an episode with uh, Jay, uh, obviously from uh, iHeartDG, Dragon Gate Jay, uh, English commentary for Dragon Gate. A great, great show uh, with some real kind of uh, big picture thoughts on Dragon Gate. Not all of them good, including someone from Jay who, you know, obviously <laughs> works for the company and uh, has, uh, you know, a, a, a relationship with the company. Not not all not all roses. A lot of a lot it's of not, stuff. I got some stuff too. It's not all roses. Yeah, it's Dragon Gate's seven time, and and yeah, he's had he has, his excitement level is is it's interesting on this episode, but it's a good episode because they really get into it. They talk big picture stuff. They talk big picture stuff about all of Japan uh, and where Japanese wrestling is, where Dragon Gate is, where the booking is. So really, really good episode there. Uh, and then they did an episode later in the week as well. Uh, about the news of Kaito Ishida leaving the company, which we'll talk about here in a bit, uh, as well as giving a final uh, preview for what is coming up this weekend. Kobe World, uh, we have a, a preview up at VoicesOfWrestling.com as well. Uh, it's the big 
show, big weekend, uh, two shows, I should say, for Dragon Gate this weekend. Uh, a lot of good stuff. Before we get into the actual Kobe world, do you want to talk about the uh, the news that you had? All right, so I, I thought this was going to be a big scoop for the show, but then um, people started announcing Yamato bookings. But yeah, uh, uh, La Estrella and SB Kento and Shun Skywalker and Yamato are coming in to the United States um, in the fall. We've already seen some. I think Prestige Wrestling announced Yamato already. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know a lot guys. of other promoters working on it too. That that's he. This is a guy who does not come here very often. Has not come here in a long, long time. And yeah, I, I know a lot of other people talking, seeing what they can do with him as quick as possible. So they're going to be staying in Austin. They're going to be based out of Austin. Okay. Uh, those four guys. No Fujiwara because he's he has no visa, so he can't come in. But um, those other four, and I guess, um, you know, uh, Yamato is the big surprise there. You know, and Shun Skywalker too, I guess. Since um, you know he's past the point where you typically think that's not really an excursion, I guess he's just looking for some work. Yeah, but um, that's the deal there. Now, when it comes to um, Ashida leaving the company, Kato uh, Ashida, so there's some stuff. He's New Japan's interested. I don't know if this has been talked about mm, anywhere. I don't think so. Yeah, a lot of other people think that that's not that that Gleet is the most likely next stop for him. Well, okay, so that's the thing. So Kate, he wants to work in Gleet because a lot of his pals are in Gleet. Okay, so that's legitimate, and there is interest there, and there's mutual interest. But New Japan is interested in him too, and there was going to be a meeting. I don't know if it's happened yet. Mm, interesting. Um, that's smart. That's smart for New Japan. He's fucking great. Twenty six years old. Yeah, so Kikuchi and um, another office guy, Shimojima, were said to be setting up a meeting with him. Oh, which Kikuchi? <laughs> the, the office Kikuchi. <laughs> not the, the office, merch guy. Not, not the, the merch t-shirt guy. Kikuchi. <laughs> right. um, the intermediary was Shingo. So, oh, interesting. Okay. okay. So New Japan, look, that's in play. And the thing is, from how what I understand, New Japan will let them work lead. Because, you know, they've done a little bit of talent sharing with Glee. So, you know, Gleet's on the table because he does have a lot of pals there. But I don't know if that New Japan meeting happens yet, but they're looking to beef up their juniors. And he fits the profile of what they look for in in their, you know, he's young, he's good looking. He's, and they, 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 there's people in New Japan who like him and have, uh, and have recommended him. So um, I was told the back, uh, the, the locker room in Dragon Gate is just, it's uh, very chaotic right now. Um, he may not be the last person to leave. I wasn't given any names, but there's a lot of discontent among the Dragon Gate roster. Um, I am still not willing to say Nosawa is the booker, but he undoubtedly has some influence. I mean, it, you'd have to be blind to ignore it. He obviously is pulling the strings on all of the interpromotional stuff with between Noah and Dragon Gate. I mean, nobody would deny that. But if you just look at some of the other moves in the company with, uh, you know, guys like Suji Kondo getting pushes out of nowhere right around King of Gate. And um, the fact that Nosawa has longstanding relationships with a lot of people in uh, with a lot of the veterans in Dragon Gate going back 20 years. And after Yoshino retired, a lot of that click, it didn't take long for them to leave either, whether it was Gamma or Kness or Super, Super Shisha, Shisha. Yeah, Shisha. Or, or, you know, or now with um, with Ashida, who was who was aligned sort of with that crew, with that crew of veterans. 
and you know and 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 just and the other connections like gamma is 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 uh is working gleet now you know so uh kazma sakamoto and the strong hearts and there's a lot of people there who um you're you're sort of i hate to call it the ashita camp but the people he was friendly with so there's absolutely smoke to the gleet fire but um, don't be stunned at all if he ends up in New Japan in some shape or form. Now, will he be a Gleet guy that works New Japan, or will he be a New Japan guy that works Gleet? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess that all depends on, you know, how that meeting goes. And and that was it was. I don't have the exact date, but they said coming up, you know, within a week though they were going to meet with him. New Japan was so, um, so we'll see. But. Um, you know, it, it's it's like you alluded to, and the Voice Gate guys alluded to. Uh, it's a little messy in Dragon Gate right now. It's a period of transition, and it, it you know it goes all the way back to some of these. You know, we we talked about a little bit with some of these veteran guys who have been there for their entire careers, just you know retiring or mysteriously leaving the company, and um, you know, there's some smoke, some of this fire, so. Yeah, it's it's a roster that for so long felt so stable. I mean, there was a few guys here and there that would pop up. There would be some things that would happen, but it, it there's been a lot of turmoil in that. And it's not just the Stronghearts. You know, it's not just Shima leaving and those guys leaving. I mean, there is a plenty of guys that if you go over this roster, you look at a show from you know 2017 to where it is today. You look at hell a show from 2018 and look at the young guys on that show and where they are today. I mean, it is not a uh, they have not been able to turn over. I mean, they've gotten some of those guys obviously promoted, and they're all going to be in big spot. A lot of those guys are going to be in big spots uh, on this, uh, you know, Kobe World show. But yeah, they've also had a lot of changeover, a lot of turmoil. A lot of people have left. A lot of people have come in. A lot of people have cycled in and out. It's 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 just not what we were used to with Dragon Gate. They felt so stable and so just you know everything was kind of in in a good way, sort of mundane and stable, and 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 you knew where everybody stood. And now it's been just nothing but. You know, people coming in and out and guys going back and forth. And yeah, it's still pretty stable. It's probably one of the more stable companies uh, in Japan still because there's still that core roster of people. But, I mean, this, this Kobe World show, look at this one compared to one a couple years ago. And it, it's it's there's a lot of different names on here, a lot of new, unique names, a lot of people from the past, a lot of people that have never been aligned with Dragon Gate coming in. So, yeah, there's some interesting stuff going on here. It, it does not appear to be all good, but it is it is certainly interesting stuff. Yeah, there's um, uh, Minora is another guy who's been – um, kicking up dust allegedly, so I would keep an eye on him too. Hmm. Um, I, I didn't. Um, well, they might give him the some, dream gate, so <laughs> hopefully that eases his else, issues. Yeah. Somebody else mentioned something about Menor. I can't remember um, who it was, but um, yeah, but no, it, it, there, there's other young wrestlers who the ones that are kind of. It's pro. It's basically pro wrestling. This isn't the Dragon Gate of 2006, where it was one big happy family and everybody was on the same page. So, you have the young guys who are getting pushed. You have the young guys who are not getting pushed, and they don't see a path because the new people pulling the strings are behind the other set of young guys. So that's kind of what's happening, and that was kind of the impetus to Ashita uh, piecing out because he was on a nice path, and then, you know, uh, ideas changed and and uh, different people were pushed. And a lot of his boys um, and a lot of his allies and people, you know, the veterans who were you would normally stick up for him, they're all gone. So, um, you know, it, it that that was the impetus for that. And I was told that there could be more, you know, I wasn't told, you know, that for sure. But but to keep an eye out because there could be more. So, wow. yeah. 
Uh, well, quickly, I don't, I don't have to go every single match here. I know we're, we're a little pressed for time here, but uh, uh, Kobe World, as we said, two nights. Uh, the first one, July 30th, is uh, an Ultimo Dragon 35th anniversary celebration show uh, as well. Uh, the match there is going to be Ultimo Dragon versus El Hio del Santo. So, um, all right. <laughs> That's a cool go. match. I mean, it's I, pretty cool. I, it's kind of cool. Yeah, it's not bad. Well, you know, we'll see. I mean, you know, it, it, every time I watch Santo and I and I review some of his, I've reviewed at least two or three of his matches in the last year. Blows me away how good he still is. He's still pretty solid. Yeah, Dragon. Uh... Ultimo Dragon's lazy as hell, and he still looks the part, but. It's either because he can't do it physically or he's not interested in doing it physically. That's his problem. Santo, I, I think I wrote this in one of my last reviews. I think he still has one of the best topes in wrestling. And that's crazy because he's got to be 60, right? Or pushing it. Oh, man. Let me see if they have his. I think he's late 50s. Yeah. What is he? Uh, 59 years old. Yeah. It's not I've bad got for 58, but okay, same thing. He's not bad. Uh, yeah. yeah, okay, he's not uh, bad for 59. Then I guess I thought he was either younger or I don't know what, but that's not bad. He's actually, I'm telling you, he's better than Ultimo Dragon. Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah, not hard, but um, yeah, I don't know. Unfortunately, uh, Liam put something in my head in in his uh, preview. Uh, voiceofwrestling.com that said like someone's gonna like interfere and then like Ultimo and and, and Santo are gonna team up together against like the interlopers or something like that and I was like yeah that actually kind of I mean that's not completely out of the question like they start wrestling they do a few little things and some guy runs in and then they go oh we should team together against them and then yeah Yeah. that's not no pun intended out of the question but that's not completely (laughs) out of the question uh, there you go. Open the Twin Gate match Uh, Shun Skywalker and Diamante versus uh, Jackie Funky Kamei and uh, Jason Lee uh, and then your open the Dream Gates match is going to be Kai defending the title against Yuki Yoshioka. So that is what we have main big show here. Um, on the... who booked Kai to the Wrestle One title? Rich, who was the booker? Hmm. Do you remember? Was it Mister? Uh, was either Nosawa or Muto? I think it was Nosawa. Nosawa, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's some evidence mounting. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it's... That he's got more stroke than people might want to admit. I, I, I still... I've asked around, and nobody has told me he's the booker. Okay? I want to make that clear. But you can't deny that there's some influence here. No, you can't. We knew I, I that. know... Jay did sort of mention, and again, he kind of said it in passing, but he did say... He kind of... So when when they asked about the Nosawa thing and said, "Well, that'll be all done after Kobe World," so I don't know what that means either. That's what I'm saying. He's in the mix. Like, okay, we know at minimum he's booking the stuff with Noah, the interpromotional. Correct. Stuff. Yes, no doubt. So you're telling me if he's in the room, he doesn't have a voice? Of course he does. And when you look at the evidence and the people that, you know, when 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 all of that shit started and Noah made the change and promoted, um, who am I thinking of? Cashin into his spot, right? And whether that was because of what I was told, because Noah was upset with the Budokan show and the level of business, or whether it was because they were just taking some shit off of Nosawa's plate because he was going to be booking the interpromotional stuff and working more with Dragon Gate, right, with their office, that's up to whatever source you might have, okay? But the point here is, at that point, he started to have some level of influence with Dragon Gate, even if it was just the promote interpromotional shit. But when you look at the evidence mounting, the people that began to get pushed around that time, whether it's Kai or Suji Kondo or whoever the fuck, and now you're starting to see some unrest 
with some of the younger wrestlers who their pushes just stopped, lost titles, uh, you know, around that time, and then stopped being booked in important matches. And now one of them has walked out. I mean, there's some smoke to that fire. Right. Well, you know, but, and I will continue to ask, and I have someone new that I would, that I can ask actually that, to see what they know about. I'm trying to find out, but Dragon Gate more than like any other promotion is like a closed society. Forget it. It's so hard to get information out of there, you know? So, um, a lot of it has to come from wrestlers, from other promotions and shit that they've heard. And then you're dealing with English as a second language. And so it's, it's difficult, but I think there's no sour fingerprints all over the place. That's all. Uh, I will say before we get into the 31st show, uh, there is an incredible, incredible match. I hope you see it as well. It's a, it's a, it's a six man match. Kenichiro Arai, Garukin Mask, and the Bodyguard teaming up. <laughs> Incredible yeah. six man <laughs> there with those guys uh, against Yoshida Benke and uh, Kakuda. But uh, yeah, Garukin Mask and the Bodyguard. Arai's there too. That's fine too. Garukin Mask and the Bodyguard. I love. Why are you burying Arai? Oh, no, he's fine. He's fine. The, you're burying the lead. <laughs> no, the lead? Garukin Mask is the lead. Bodyguard is the lead. Don't fuck with Ken Arai. He's no, got he, a lot of allies on this podcast network too. And That's <laughs> true. Don't fuck with Ken Arai. Oh his my janitor God. jumpsuit. Don't fuck with him. <laughs> uh, Brave Gate. There's a Brave Gate match too. Dragon Daya versus uh, Hyo. Uh, and then some other uh, stuff here and there on the show. So it's all going to build up to then the next night. And this is unfortunately when you do the two nights. Is that it's really hard to build up to July 31st. Which is the big Kobe World Pro Wrestling Festival. Where we don't really. We know three potential matches. Because. The winner of Dragon, Daya, and Hyo are going to face the Battle Royal winner. There's a Battle Royal on the first show. That winner is going to go for the Brave Gate title. Uh, there's the Open the Triangle Gate three-way championship match. It's the winners of the uh, Eita Nosawa and Kotaro Suzuki uh, versus Mas- uh, Masa- uh, Masaki Mochizuki Susumu uh, and then Mochizuki Jr. Uh, the, the random, we didn't know it was Mochizuki's kid that's hanging around, but... Uh, there's a Mochizuki Jr. there. Uh, that match, the winner of that is then going to go on to face uh, Yamato, Dragon Kid, Benke, and KZ, Big Boss, uh, Shimizu, and Strong Machine J. So, again, none of these matches, you don't really quite know who one of the participants is going to be because they're in title matches the night before. Uh, and then the big one is Open the Dream Gate, uh, the winner of Kai and uh, Yoshioka versus Kota Minora uh, there. So, um, we'll see what happens with that. Keep an, eye on Kota, keep an eye on Kota Minora and his match. And um, and basically everything that goes down with him from that—that's a guy I'd keep an eye on. Yeah, uh, I was told because I was told to keep an eye on him. Okay, so All right. I'll keep an eye. Yeah, I, I mean, it would stand to reason that he would leave here as the Dreamgate. Possibly that—that that makes sense. But it's been hard to kind of make sense of Dragon Gate over the last couple of months, and and uh, I don't know. It could go many. Many different ways. We'll see. I'll keep. I will keep I think, an eye I on him. You, I think Yoshioka is going to win. On. I think he's going to be Kai for sure. Um, yeah. I don't know about Yoshioka versus Minoru. I, I don't know that you would have Yoshioka have like a one day reign. No, Minoru is not winning that. I, I, you're I'm you're sorry. you're positive of that. I mean, I can't say I'm positive, but you're pretty but sure. I was just told that he's not happy, and there's okay. and that people aren't happy with him. Maybe that's a better way to put it. Okay. Yeah. He, uh, Jay kind of alluded to that too. That he's been. <laughs> Did he? A little yeah, bit. Yeah. Been... Yeah. Just kind of. Uh, yeah. He wasn't very nice. He wasn't very complimentary of 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 Kota in in many ways. So. Well, then there you go. I mean, that might. 
you know. I don't know if that's half work, half whatever, but I, I wasn't super thrilled yeah. with Kota. Well, watch, watch him win the title now. Watch yeah, right, 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 right. So uh, could all be a smoke screen from Jay there, but yeah, we'll see. But anyway, open the voice gate, uh, extensive previews of those shows. So if you're interested in all the happenings uh, going on in Dragon Gate, uh, that highly recommended this week's uh, open the voice gate, uh, two episodes for you. Uh, this week, but uh, we'll have uh, we'll probably watch that by next week. Probably get some reviews. We got a lot of stuff to watch for next week. Goddamn, but uh, we'll do it because that's what we do here. But anyway, that is Kobe World. That is the flagship. So I want to thank you guys, of course, for checking us out. Thank you so much for listening. As we mentioned earlier, make sure you subscribe to both the flagship podcast feed as well as the Voice of Wrestling podcast network feed. Subscribe to both of those. Download on everything so we can get up on those charts and beat those dopes. That Joe wants to be. But uh, anyway, that is that. Uh, FlagshipPatreon.com. Of course, you want to follow us uh, uh, there uh, for additional extra uh, content. If you need more bonus Joe and Rich, you are going to get it uh, there. G1 reviews, Thursday TV reviews, VOW retro stuff, Interaction Lives, stuff on Vince McMahon. Just a ton of stuff there uh, for you at FlagshipPatreon.com. So for Joe, I am Rich. We will talk to you next time. Take care. Bye.